What's up and welcome to another MoGraph MoCast. I'm Dave. And I'm Matt. And joining us today, I'm very excited about this show. Uh, founder of Swordfish in San Francisco, the super awesome motion design studio, Mr. Matt Silverman. <laughs> and MoGraph is a supplement to our site, MoGraph.com, which is a motion graphics tutorial site with tutorials, plugins, podcasts, and other MoGraph stuff. And on the show, we talk about everything ranging from motion graphics to Cinema 4D, After Effects plugins, render engines, doing business, doing taxes, being a contractor, or working for the man. You can email us, info at MoGraph.com. Let us know what you think about the show, questions, comments, concerns, queries, grievances, artist suggestions, show topic ideas. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. I love a TikTok. And Check us out on all the things and subscribe and all the things. We have a lot to talk about in the week wrap-up today. It is a big week. Yeah. Yes. It it's a, a huge a... week. We got um, – <clears throat> if, you, if you haven't joined us before, right. we were talking about this before the show. We got to do the week wrap-up at the beginning of the show. We got to tell people what's right. going on. There's a lot to know about right. the previous weeks. We can't just immediately jump in and know everything about Matt Silverman. That's we right. have to we have to tell everyone how our week was. That's right. And we got to tell everybody <laughs> uh, you know, what uh what happened in the world of of motion graphics. Matt right. for example was on the 3D Motion show last week. If you I was. That, make sure you yeah. check that out. And, Doing uh, some classic MoGraph, yeah. you know. Check out that Good old classic, classic. MoGraph. Yeah. Not showing off replays. anything new that you couldn't have done in the past like 4 years, yeah, 5 years. Know. Some people haven't seen that stuff, you <laughs> right? Know? You know, every day somebody's born that hasn't seen the, Fl the Flintstones. That's true. <laughs> That's a Merlin Merlinism, Merlin man. Yeah. Uh, but you just got back from your LA trip, and your arms just, are tired. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, I took a red eye this morning at one a.m. out of LAX. Uh, left immediately from the Otoy party to the airport. Um, and then flew and had my person sitting next to me, the random stranger, fall asleep on me for the entire flight. So that was fun, you know. But yeah, this weekend was awesome. Uh, uh, Motion Plus Design uh, was in uh, LA this weekend, and it was so good. There were so many amazing presenters. Just the the cool stuff that people were doing was fantastic, and got to hang out with. Winbush and Beeple and James Ramirez and EJ and all the cool motion designers. It was very, very Beeple. fun. Yeah, Beeple. Man, Beeple was all over the place. I yeah. get to meet his wife this weekend. Oh, you know? yeah? And, yeah, and his brother, you know. It was pretty cool. So, nice. um, uh, yeah, then uh, Otoy had this uh, big rooftop party. And you got to hang out with Jules and, like, you know, a bunch of really cool people we nerded out oh i mean so i don't know if you've seen the gcc talk that jules did yet oh, man. it's fantastic and he goes like really in depth into the stuff that they're doing with the gene roddenberry uh archive you know and shows off like the whole star trek uh, the 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 enterprise that they're building and stuff like that and it is fantastic like it is so detailed and incredible yeah. you know and uh he he let us know so actually the uh they're re-releasing the Star Trek one, you know, Star Trek the motion picture on Blu-ray, and they redid a bunch of the scenes that were rendered out in Octane, you yeah. know? It's really funny, and uh, he was telling me, he's like, I don't know if, like, Paramount knows this or not, but, like, they ended up actually sending a bunch of those scenes on the render network, you know, in order to get them rendered for the Blu-ray release, which is really cool, hmm. you know? It's neat to see that happening, 
But you yeah, got your comic signed, right? You, you I got, got my Jules comic signed. Com- yeah, yeah, I was super excited. Yeah, uh, yeah, Jules was really excited about like I was like I, I ran over, I grabbed my comic because uh, uh, Matthias had reminded me, and so I went and grabbed it, and he saw it. And I was like, I was like, can you sign this? He's like, oh my gosh, yes! Someone take a picture of this. It was, <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. So. And then got home, yeah, and now I'm ready for a show, and I'm super tired, and I'm loaded up on uh, Monster Energy drink. Yeah, like you do. (laughs) Like you do. (laughs) We got a couple other things to talk about the week wrap-up as well, like the NAB, uh, well, the NAB shenanigans in general. uh, If you have not checked out MoGraph.com slash NAB2022, make sure you check out that video with us and EJ, and we talk about Mm -hmm. the parties and things, but (sighs) we are... (laughs) Talking about the possibility of doing our after pinball party shenanigans. Yes. Because we weren't going to do it. Carrie Moki. We're about g- doing it. Here's the thing. I don't know we, if we can talk we, about why, but. Sure. We'll talk I'll talk about, about why. I don't know. So, if, okay. It's fine. It's okay. fine. So okay. when Beeple messages you and says, hey, why aren't you doing this party? The last one was awesome. And he offers to pay for it. Then you're like, okay, I guess we'll do the party. So. We're going to do the karaoke party Ast- again. Asterisk. Pending, asterisk. pending availability. Yep. We don't need Pending even know. availability. Yeah. We'll figure it out. We'll be so, maybe off the record. Off the record, MoGraph. Yeah. Yeah. So Only the people who listen to this episode will know. Them. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so we're working on it. So keep an ear out for that. It would be after the <clears throat> pinball party on Tuesday. Yeah. Just wanted yep. to put that out there. Also, make sure you check out all the courses, of course. Got to remind you to check out the courses. The brush up <laughs> course, if you want to learn Procreate. Make sure that you uh, check that out. And then, of course, the Houdini and, and Unreal courses. MoGraph.com slash classes and MoGraph TV. Make sure you turn it on and rip the knob off. Put it on at your place of work. <laughs> yep. Put it on at uh, always streaming. Hashtag always yeah. streaming. Always live. I, I was talking to Mike this weekend uh, about his, like, offices, you know, because he's building out this whole thing, you know. And he's like, yeah, you got to come down and see my office. I was like, what, what is it, just a desk and, like, Fox News and CNN on the other one. And he goes, yeah. no, you got to see. He shows me a picture. He's got six freaking TVs on his wall. And of I'm course. like, why isn't MoGraph TV playing on one of those TVs? That's right. <laughs> yeah, Yahoo that. News. You don't need Yahoo News. Yahoo you need MoGraph News. TV, MoGraph dude. TV, yo. That's what you need. Um, and then uh, two, two other things. One real quick. Uh, make sure you check out the new article. On the site, mm-hmm. or you might see it pop up in your wind, in your in your <clears throat> splash screen for yeah. uh, on Jags mm-hmm. and uh, all things Jags and all things Jags has done uh, lately, including the the Halo thing. I think it's funny that some people might open Cinema 4D and click an article and read about our Halo team, right? You know, so it's kind of fun. <laughs> it's uh, it's the dream. That's yeah. that's that's the dream. Right there. But uh, lastly, lastly, <clears throat> this is what we really got to dig into here for a second before we get to before we get to Matt uh, is Camp MoGraph. Camp MoGraph, yes. Stuff to so, talk about now. I will yes. even bring up the website because I I figure cool. you might be talking about it. In yeah, depth Mark here. did a fantastic job on the website. By the way, I'm I'm really I yeah, I, I, I love good. the way it looks. Yeah. So um yes, we announced all the stuff, all the stuff and things. We announced our. Uh, our instructors, you know, the different workshops we're going to have and all our fi- our fireside chats. It's I'm, I'm super excited about it. So up up for fireside chats, we've got Amanda Russell. She's a co-founder of Cream Studio, which is awesome. Super excited about that. Uh, we've also got John Lepore from Perception coming in. He's going to talk about all things Marvel, you know. 
And then I'm super excited about Freddie Wong. So uh, yes. we're bringing Freddie Wong. You know, he's uh, if you don't know Freddie's work, you know, he's done a bunch of stuff with Corridor, you know, and uh, 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 produced a, a video game high school, you know, mm-hmm. and has done TV shows and movies and short films and worked with a ton of different like amazing directors and actors and stuff. It's super, super cool. I'm really excited for him to, you know, kind of like just talk about everything that he's done in the past which is great super excited so about that yeah yeah he was a big influence on me for like compositing and stuff like that you know even though i'm pretty sure we're the same age you know just being able to watch him and watch his breakdowns and stuff like that was pretty cool yeah so um uh then we've got uh six different workshops being offered which is exciting uh we've got billy chitkin teach, uh, teaching uh storytelling and mograph which is cool uh, and then Tori Bryant is going to be doing a painting class. Super excited about this one. Uh, we we even picked out the perfect area. There's this big like dock that overlooks the uh, you know the water and the ocean and stuff like that. And we're going to be doing it outside, hopefully as long as weather permitting. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we've got uh, Sean Dumont uh, teaching screen printing. So we're going to actually be like screen printing posters and like pulling inks and stuff like that. It's going to be so much fun. I'm super excited about that. And then uh, Amoni Larusa. Uh, doing some like hands-on texturing and stuff like that you know uh uh very kind of similar to the surface imperfections workshop we had last year but like actually like creating textures instead of like surface imperfections super cool and then we've got joe pilger doing the business of mograph i'm I'm really excited about this one i feel like a lot of people are gonna want to hop into this one because they're you know it, it, it it with a lot of these things like especially with like the um uh, the producing uh, workshop we had last year, it's like, you know, you get into it and you realize, okay, I am actually doing a lot of this stuff right, and I'm also doing some of this stuff wrong. So, you know, the business demograph I'm really excited about. And then uh, Jen Van Horn is going to be teaching uh, time and task management for MoGraphers, which is super exciting. Very, very exciting. So um, if you go on the website, campmograph.com, we've also got a daily agenda so you can kind of know mm-hmm. what to expect as for, and, and all the amazing activities. You can also check out the lodging. So the lodging is uh, is a big thing that we're changing up this year. Um, we've got two different options for lodging. Um, the first one is just your standard community cabins where you're hanging out with other people. You know, uh, We still try and keep the amount of people uh, down per cabin. Like I think we max it out at like five. So you know, you're not like jam packed in there like a bunch of sardines, you know. Uh, but yeah, so the community cabin uh, uh, tickets are eight hundred dollars, and then uh, we're introducing this year mm-hmm. private rooms. Now we've had a lot of people be like, "Oh, I don't want to bunk with a bunch of people. I'm worried about people snoring." You know, I'm looking at you, Paul Robinson, about those. Uh, private <laughs> rooms, you know. <laughs> And uh, so, you know, uh, if you're willing to spend the extra cash, we've got them here. You know, it's a, you're you're basically paying twice the cost of a regular community cabin. You know, we really want people to be in the community cabins. But if you want your own room with your own private bathroom, you know, and it's very private for you, uh, the option is there. So it's yeah. uh, 1600 for that, you know, but, you know, you get your privacy. You don't have to worry about sharing a shower with people, which is fine, <laughs> you know. Now, on top of that, um, uh, uh, you we also have the ability this year, uh, similar to uh, what we did the first year, where if you're wanting to camp, like actually like bring a tent and like pitch mm-hmm. a tent and like sleep outside under the stars or whatever, you totally can. We've yeah. got a big area for tent camping as well if you just want to do that. So uh, all you'll do is when you buy a ticket, just let us know that you're 
planning on tent camping. So mm-hmm. should be a lot of fun. Uh, tickets go on sale April 20th uh, at noon Eastern, Eastern. time. Yep. So make sure and set your alarms because, you know, last year they sold out in 45 seconds. Uh, yeah. And I'm fully <laughs> expecting it to happen. I, I mean, I'm not sure. Hope I'm, so. I'm hoping, fully hoping to yeah. have the same thing happen again. So you got 15 minutes to check out. And uh, the private, the, uh, keep in mind, the private cabins are, you know, it's very limited quantities, you know, versus the community cabins. So if you just want to go, you know, like you're probably more likely to get a community cabin than you would be a private because there's more of those right. tickets. But, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you want to do. So on that note, I just want to say thanks to our sponsors. You know, without our sponsors, we couldn't have made camp, you know, as affordable or whatever as possible and have all the awesome amenities and all the fun stuff that we're planning. Uh, so huge shout out to our sponsors, our global sponsor, Otoy, you know, for sponsoring the entire event. And we appreciate that so much. Um, and then our village sponsors, we've got Maxon and Video Copilot. Super excited to be staying in one of those villages. And then our gold sponsor, Grayscale Gorilla. Thanks to all of our sponsors without them we couldn't have done this so that is camp mograph set your alarms super excited check it all out uh sign up for updates on campmograph.com 420 is gonna be a big day it's gonna be a big day it's gonna be a real big day you got camp mograph tickets on sale you've got something uh that paul has said uh on the 3d motion show uh, last week is going to be on 420 for Maxon. Really? Uh, that's, oh, that's also exciting. the day that you and I have to take <clears throat> off to, to head to Vegas. We have to, to fly to Vegas, yeah. For NAB, so. and, 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 I'll, and I'll probably be smoking a joint on the top of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the most important thing of the day, right? You know? Yeah. The, the, the term 420 was actually uh, invented in the town where my office is. Really? Yeah. San Rafael, California. About that. What, what was it was it? invented at San Rafael High School. There is proof of this. Yeah. That's really? funny. God, yeah. See, I heard a different story on that. That's interesting. That, that story is wrong. This so is what the was story. the reason that that, that number uh-huh. came to be? Was it from the time? Uh, the, these guys would meet at 4.20 p.m. after school to go smoke weed. Hmm. All right. They were called like the Waldos or something. You, you could find the, the, the info. It's, it's uh, yeah. Just another example of uh, you know the how, how important San Rafael is to my world because also that's where ILM was started, right? And Absolutely. that's where Pixar was started. That's where the nonlinear editor was invented. Yeah, that is um, where the Grateful Dead came from and their studio. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of history in that town. And I just Before- moved up there last year, so I I, I dig it. Yeah, four twenty is really important. You know, it seems like it leads to a lot of. <laughs> See, here's the it, story. It, 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 I, it's yeah. very important for like Uber Eats and like Yelp right, and right, stuff right. like that. It's a very big day for those. I always heard a different guys. story. I always, I always <clears throat> heard that um, it was some artists in some band somewhere, and they were always um, commenting on how it always just happens to be four twenty. When you look at your watch or look at a clock or something, uh, so I have started. I think that's only because uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I ahead. tell you, I, yeah. I screenshot. I screenshot. Oh yeah, you've I been doing that for years. I've been doing it. You've been for doing that for years. At least six <clears throat> years. You would not believe how many screenshots for twenty I have. I always just happen to see it, and oh, yeah. Yeah. Screenshot. Well, I, I always see nine forty one for some time for some yeah. reason. I don't know why. Nine forty one. Mm. Anyway. figure that one out. Dave, 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 Dave,
Two two links I wanted to mention real quick, just because um, what well, we we already hit one of them, we already touched on one of them, so I figured we get them out of the way real quick. Um, the GTC talk, make sure you yeah. check that out. We are talking yeah. to Jules about being on the show again for that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. To, to talk about all of that because there's a million questions, of course. Yeah. Like, um, the only other link I had is this is something apparently happened a couple weeks ago that I was not aware of until recently is some sort of video copilot. Um, Hack. Yeah, and I just yeah, thought there was everybody a, needs to there was know a hack this. at some point. So if you've installed, if you installed Video Copilot stuff within the past six months, you know, double check your. You may want to reinstall it because there was a you know the, they had gotten hacked or something. So it installed malware on your systems yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So just be aware of that. It's it's malware too, where they install screen sharing onto your computer. Yeah, and Ooh, so. Yeah. I forget who it was. I, it's, I'm trying to remember now. I want to say it was Adam Elder, and somebody was telling me the story that Adam Elder told them. So this is very vague, but I think he actually saw it happen. He saw somebody log in and try and snoop around on his computer or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so very important that you check that out because the the malware was put into their installer file somehow yeah. or something and and so especially if you're in the crypto market or something oh, and you're bringing up your metamask to sign all those things they're gonna, well, they hijack your out. links i see so they oh. re they change the links to a different just double check that really yeah. double check that and they have a page that addresses it that'll be in the show notes as well so you yep. check that out but matt let's talk about you let's talk yes. about you now this we want to know all show. the things now here's the thing <laughs> Uh, Do we, we need to hit our record button? Oh my gosh, I hope you're joking. Are you, are you joking? <laughs> no, you, you guys never told me to hit it. You said you would tell me when. We did. Oh. And, we, hit, and yeah. we did the little clap and everything to sync Oh, it. shit, dude. <laughs> That's all right. We'll take the beginning from YouTube and then we'll yeah. cut it all okay, together. We'll hit record okay. now. It's on, it's on right. now. What do you guys okay, want to clap? Let's do the yeah, sync let's do again. Here sync we go. Up. One, two, three. That's okay. You know what? Most of the talking was me and Dave anyway. You know? So, yeah, that'll be an easy edit. Right, Dave? (laughs) You're like, oh, fuck you. Yes. Except the part (laughs) where I I have to edit into YouTube audio. (laughs) I'll 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 overdub whatever I Yeah, right? Yeah. We can put some subtitles below. ADR session. You can get that on the calendar. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's a good thing I was thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, let's (laughs) talk about you. Let's talk about everything you from. the beginning to uh, school, where you got like the first inkling of what you wanted to do for a living, and then yeah. we'll get into some of the business stuff as well. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so um, I uh, I grew up in New York. Um, cool. I was the my father was in advertising, so I kind of okay. was able to see this world a little bit. Mm-hmm. Kind um, of a Mad Men situation, or. Yeah, definitely madman situation. Um, he he was in New York in at Ogilvy and Mather in the sixties, mm-hmm. um, okay. and you know started in the uh, he started as a um, in the mailroom, and next thing you know was writing copy for David Ogilvy, and then uh, became a creative director. And so we moved from uh, New York to um, Houston, where he. I uh, was managing like Shell Oil accounts in the 70s and then to L.A., uh, spent a little time in L.A. And then my parents split up, moved back to New York with my mother. So I would go out every summer with my father and, um, you know, and he'd 
take me to shoots or take me to an audio session or an edit house. So I was very fortunate to be exposed to this world early on. Whereas like my friends in New York, uh, you know, his dad's a real estate agent. They never knew that this was really an opportunity. So Mm -hmm. um, I kind of saw that. And then um, I I started skateboarding uh, when I was probably about 11 or 12 and uh, spent a lot of time um, getting into trouble downtown. um, Yeah. (laughs) My friends and just skating around and um, skating in New York. Yeah, I don't know if you guys ever uh, heard of the movie Kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah, like those were my friends in that movie. So um, we would hang out with uh, like those guys and Justin Pierce, who was the star of that movie. Uh, you know, he came out to my dad's house in L.A. and we would go skate around California yeah. and stuff. And um, I've I've always heard that if you're skating in New York on the streets, you basically have a death wish. Mm, I, I've seen some crazy stuff go down. I've seen people get hit by cars and yeah. get back up. But, you know, like 30 of us cruising down the West Side Highway on the road. Yeah. Go, going up to the 23rd Street Banks. Um, it, it was it was crazy when I look back on it. And I was also in New York in the 80s. So that wasn't yeah. like, that was crazy New York. Um, yeah, right. You know, some dude suddenly just pulls a razor blade out from under his lip and is yeah. robbing you in a, uh, in a project. Um, but anyway, so I, I was doing that and, and that I had a friend who had a video camera and, uh, all these, that's when skateboard videos started taking off in the eighties. So we would see all these, you know, our idols would be on video. So we would go and just make our own little videos ourselves. And, uh, I, uh, I I was a terrible student in high school and, uh, I just wanted to go skateboard. Yeah. Right. So, um, (laughs) So we, um, I got, I got lucky and I, I, uh, tested really well, standardized tests. I did really well and some mm-hmm. classes I did terribly. Mm-hmm. So they put me into this, um, into this gifted and talented program where I got to do whatever I want for half the day. That's cool. And what I wanted to do is make skateboard videos. So yeah. I would just go out on the weekends with my friends, we would shoot. And then the school had a, uh, a linear editing system. Mm-hmm. Nice. This is this is like 1988, 89. VHS to VHS, AB editing, SVHS. Oh yeah, even better. Yeah, yeah. So um, so yeah, but we were shooting on VHS, so it was like a giant camera on your shoulder, and you know would take that footage and then pop it into these linear systems and and that they had this little edit studio in my school, but it, they didn't teach any classes on it. They stopped mm-hmm. teaching it a few years before I got into high school. My sister took the class, mm-hmm. my older sister. So I knew it existed. Yeah. So when I said, I want to edit videos, they let me into that room and the old teacher taught me how to do the stuff and I would just do it in my free, I would do it on my own. So that kind of yeah. is what got me into it. Yeah. Um, just kind of editing and shooting. And I thought I wanted to be an editor. I, di- I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted yeah. to get into filmmaking they I told you not to assemble it, right? Like, yeah. don't assemble it's it. You'll insert. ruin the whole you, you thing. Don't, you don't want to punch insert. a hole in it. Yeah. You know, I did I did it both ways. I did assemble edits and I did insert edits. Yeah. And I, there's a reason for both. You'd still do those when you're working in Resolve right. or Premiere right. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it was like, you know, one of, uh, a guy I worked with, a mentor of mine, once told me there were no good old days. 
Mm-hmm. And right. it's kind of true. Like you look back and it's like everything was harder in the past. Um, so uh, like, I did that like kind of stuff. Like editing. <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah, but it was cool. You know, I, I was able to get music and cut the stuff. And I made a 40-minute yeah. uh, skateboard video. That, wow. Um, and what's crazy is that, like, I made it thinking, like, maybe 20 of my friends might watch this thing with me. Mm-hmm. And I lost, I lost my only copy of it in college. And uh, and I've always like I know some of my friends somewhere is gonna find the full tape, but what what right. ended up happening was that I found a bunch of clips from that video on YouTube. Crazy, nice. Years later, I'm talking <laughs> like maybe ten years ago, I found these clips, and some younger kid got the got some of the source footage from his neighbor, and he put them up on uh, on YouTube, and there's over like a hundred thousand hits on this thing. <laughs> and I'm like, crazy. If you would have told me in 1988, yeah, that you know, knowing what a computer was in 1988, like a right. Commodore 64, right? Like one day the whole world is going to have these things and watch your sca- hundred thousand people will right. watch your yeah. skateboard video is mm-hmm. absolutely insane to me. Like another, we're definitely in a simulation. Like <laughs> there's so many things in my life where I'm like, this just can't be real. You yeah. could have sold bootlegs on the streets, man. Right, you know, nobody who would have bought it. Like, like there were twenty know. skateboarders in New York at the time. Like, who <laughs> yeah. cares about this? So, um, but now it's like, but very few people are actually shooting that time at at the Brooklyn Bridge and the Brooklyn Banks, mm-hmm. which are historic, and you know all these, you know, the, a ton of footage of uh, my friend Jeff Pang, who was the first professional skateboarder ever out of New York. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like I was just shooting him. We were, you know, hanging out and get those footage. So anyway, I uh, I did that in high school, and then I got into San Diego State because that, at the time, was like the hotbed of skateboarding was San Diego. Right. So I was like, I'm moving to San Diego, and I'm going to go skate. And San Diego State at the time was the number one party school in the country. So that nice. this is where my priorities were. Like, <laughs> right, I'm gonna go of to course. The party school, and I'm going to skateboard. And... And then I got out there, and I couldn't get into their uh, their film program. So right. um, it, it was called an impacted major at the time. So um, it was like you had to have good grades, and I had right. had pretty poor grades gotcha. coming out of high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had like a yeah. 2.7 grade point average or something. <laughs> nice. Me too. So I, <laughs> so I, uh, I went out there and um, – and basically just took whatever film classes I was allowed to take, which was mm-hmm. essentially film theory and film history. Mm-hmm. So it was like watching a lot of movies mm-hmm. and learning about how to make them, but not able to actually make any. There was no production classes I was allowed to take. Yeah. And, um, That's such a and, tease. And, yeah. And I also <laughs> wasn't like, I wasn't shooting much i was just really enjoying college and partying and and skateboarding it was like i found myself just skateboarding more than ever and and not caring about picking up a camera i was just out there skateboarding Mm -hmm. and um and uh one day a friend of mine that i skateboarded with he uh there were two friends of mine one of them they suddenly both got macintoshes at the same time Mm-hmm. And one of them was a graphic arts student, uh, major, um, my friend Jeff Kelly, who just worked on a project with Matt Milstead and myself. He was the uh, yeah. art director making the storyboards. Nice. Um, but Jeff, uh, Jeff had a Macintosh, and he was studying graphic design, and I saw <laughs> what he was doing with Photoshop and Illustrator. 
Mm-hmm. And I was just like blown away that you could do this on a computer. This is 1994, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, and the the and then another friend of mine, Carlos De La Fuente, he got a, a Mac Quadra computer with a with a video spigot thing mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. able to capture the video into the computer and make postage size sta- yeah. uh, size yeah. movies. So like. He was able to edit like 160 by 120 movies. Yeah. <laughs> pixels. Like, like maybe right. 320 by 240 if he was lucky. Yeah. And and back then, like, you know, standard def was like 640 by 480 or if you got up to uh, D1 professional resolution. Right. Like, I don't yeah. even know if D1 was a format back then in, in yeah. 94, but a, that was like was 7. A film, or not, a, it was a tape format for sure. Yeah. I don't know yeah, if you could put know. that on computer or not. Yeah, but I don't know if yeah, I guess I guess D one was out in nineteen ninety four. Um yeah. Digibeta I don't think was out yet. I think Digibeta no, was yeah, a few no, years later. Probably not. Um so we uh so I saw him getting these little movies in and editing it. And the funny thing was he, he told me he wanted to make um he, he wanted to make uh He wanted to make 3D porn movies. Hey, this is Dave. I just wanted to stop for a moment and thank our sponsor, Otoy, the creators of Render Network and, of course, Octane. But I don't have to tell you that. You know who they are. You see the results of their render engine all over the interwebs. And we're very grateful that they're supporting what we're doing at MoGraph.com from this podcast to MoGraph TV to events like local meetups and Camp MoGraph and all our community building efforts. We can't wait to show you what's in store, all thanks to their support. Go check them out at otoy.com. Now back to the madness. And, and in my mind, 3D was like red and yeah. blue glasses. Right, right, right. Like, right. And, I, and I'm, I'm still to this day not quite sure what he was thinking, if it was like <laughs> CG 3D or uh, – <laughs> I, I don't know what he was thinking. That's anyway, uh, I saw what they were doing, and I was like, this is amazing. I need to get one of these Macintoshes because I can yeah. get video in. And I remember like talking to some kids in my class and they were like, and they were in the program. So they were able to actually do production. They were like, mm-hmm. those are a joke. You need an avid and you can't do that with, cause, cause he was using premiere to get them to, to edit. Really? Wow. And I'm, yeah. so this was Adobe premiere 2.0, like, mm-hmm. you know, there it's probably version 20 now or something. It, it's yeah. like, it was version two, the second iteration of premiere. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I told these guys in my class, I'm like, I'm going to get Adobe Premiere and I'm going to be able to edit. And they were like, you can't, that's a joke. It's a toy. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to prove these, these guys wrong. And that's kind of <laughs> been like, that's been like my modus operandi through my whole career is like, somebody would say, you can't do that because I don't yeah. have the big gear to do it. And I mm-hmm. figure out a way to do it. And over time I suddenly, it's like the next thing I know, it's like, Oh, I've got an avid or I've got a flame. Yeah, yeah. I, I do have the big gear that I need. Um, but that was like a turning point. So I saw that stuff and I was like, I need to get a Macintosh. And mm-hmm. the Power PC Macintoshes just came out. Mm-hmm. And this that spigot thing came out with a new version that could pull in full 640 by 480. Yeah. And thousands yeah. of colors, man. Like I could get thousands of colors, man. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> so uh so I, I, you know, I had my father had some money that I had and he gave me he, he let me get this Macintosh. He was he, trying to talk me out of it. And he was in advertising and he had Max at his ad agency and mm-hmm. he knew the world, what I was doing. He knew Avids and he was like, Apple's going out of business. Why are you doing yeah. this? 
Like they're 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 sinking and Windows is coming out and it's hot and what are you doing? And that was before Windows ninety five and right. He was convinced the world was going Windows and yeah. I remember having uh, Thanksgiving with my with his family with with his sister and I'm at the dinner table and everybody's telling me I'm an idiot for buying this computer because right. you're buying a technology that's dead. And I was like, you know what? I, I see a future and I see my friend is making lowrider bike catalogs on his Macintosh. <laughs> uh-huh. And it's amazing. And I actually found a, a letter recently that I wrote to my father explaining why I want this. And I don't think I ever sent it to him. And I was like, I was like, I, my, these are my dreams. And I know this is I know in my heart that I'm going to be able to succeed here. And until that point, I was kind of a screw up. So I, I don't. You know, I could see why he thought I was just going to waste some money. Uh-huh. But, uh-huh. but I'm, I'm, I believe that I'm kind of on the spectrum, and when I focus on something, <laughs> I focus on it. So, like, skateboarding was my world, and as soon as I got a Macintosh and I started loading skateboard footage into that Macintosh, mm-hmm. it was like the, the board was like, wait a minute, I, this is my new passion. Yeah, and and it was um, it was crazy. So like I, I I got that spigot. I loaded in some footage, and I cut the very first skateboard video in, that I made in there, and it probably had like thirty eight different transitions in it. Nice. That every <laughs> star wipes, yeah, star wipes, everything. <laughs> and I was like, it, it it blew me away that you could just do this stuff, and uh-huh. um and that was it, man. And like that was the beginning of it all. So. Um, the Mac, I, I, I got a scanner with it mm-hmm. and the scanner came with Photoshop 2.5 mm-hmm. Nice. and, and that didn't have layers. Oh, so gosh. I started like learning how to deal with Photoshop without layers. And then, uh, I got a free upgrade to 3.0 when that came out and that gave me the layers mm-hmm. and, uh, it was like, I started realizing like, I actually enjoy this more than editing. Yeah. I enjoy graphic design more than editing. And uh, at that point, I was in my third year of college, and I was like, not I didn't have a major. I was undeclared, and I took mm-hmm. every class I could take that I was allowed to take. So I, uh, I applied at San Francisco State to their cinema department. Mm-hmm. And uh, I moved – because I heard that there was a thing called multimedia happening – Right, in San Francisco. Okay. That was such a buzzword I, at the time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was such a buzzword, and I, I didn't know what it was. I just heard that it was happening up there, and I later realized, like the the tutorial I watched on how to use Premiere that came with it on CD-ROM mm-hmm. was a uh, Macromedia Director multimedia uh, uh-huh. authoring thing. You know, it was uh-huh, like I was yeah. watching. I I had seen it, but I didn't know what it was, and. Uh, so I moved up to San Francisco and uh, got into the film department up there. And the beauty of their cinema department was that you could take any creative arts class and get credit towards your major. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. so I, I, I just kind of floated in and like immediately jumped into a uh, Super 8 class shooting nice. uh, my own Super 8 movie. Nice. Um, I jumped into a 16 millimeter class where we, we got to like put a team together and make a short film on uh, 16 millimeter and 
actually ended up working with uh, this guy Aaron Mazel on our short film and Aaron became like a big skateboard videographer dude and mm-hmm. like one of the all-time most you know shooting with Spike Jones and uh I was in class with him and he was like hey I just got a gig with Spike Jones and became like Spike's main videographer guy for his skateboard company Girl Skateboards That's um, cool. So it was like shooting and then I and then I was able to like flip over and go take animation classes Mm-hmm. So so I got into I got into um, traditional animation class where we were doing uh, you know cell animation with uh, flipbooks and um, mm-hmm. you know we we had uh, you know a little multiplane uh, camera system cool. and uh, and and that was pretty hard because I was already starting to like dabble in animation and computers and I was like constantly right. looking for undos as I'm drawing. <laughs> um, so it was like drawing uh, stop motion. Uh, I did I did a stop motion film on Super Eight. Um, mm-hmm. I did, uh, and then um, and then I, I I got a job at the faculty computer lab mm-hmm. in the library. So so there there was a, a, a uh, there was a program there called the Center for the Advancement of Teaching okay. that was was there to teach technology to the teachers. Right. And what was what was great was that they would bring in pros to teach the teachers like Photoshop, mm-hmm. and I'd get to sit get in to on these classes. In? Oh, that's yeah. awesome! So that's like the real awesome. teachers in that were teaching me stuff. Like, like my traditional animation teacher was amazing. Like she came from uh, uh, Jan Amblin was her name. She came from the Canadian Film Board. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with. Uh, um, uh, the, the, in the '60s, they were doing the hottest animation in the world. The '60s and '70s, mm-hmm. um, the Canadian Film Board would just give these giant grants to create crazy animation projects, mm. like the movie uh, Walking. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Um, there, there's uh, there's an amazing documentary that everybody should see called Ryan. Okay. R Y A N, and it's by uh, Landreth, Chris Landreth. He was the original uh, in-house animator at Alias Wavefront. So okay, he was okay. pushing all the when Maya came out, he was the guy in house pushing it, and he'd win the Academy Awards every year for short films with what he was doing. And he made one called Ryan, which was about uh, Ryan Larkin, who was the superstar genius of the Canadian Film Board, and he made a film called Walking that is to this day one of my favorite animations ever made. And he. Um, so Jan worked at the Canadian Film Board. Uh, Chris Landreth made a documentary about Ryan Larkin inside of Maya. It was a CG documentary, and it's it's incredible. What the year, guy, what year was that? Was that? It was probably it was probably ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand, somewhere on there. But he okay. he found Ryan, Ryan Larkin disappeared off the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. Chris Landreth was walking to a conference, I think, in Montreal, and he found him homeless on the street. She was schizophrenic. No way. And so he started interviewing him and he started and started showing him his old films. And yeah. he, uh, he, um, it, it was when my pain effects was coming out. So his whole brain was open on the side of his skull and all this pain effect stuff was happening. Yeah. Incredible film. It's my favorite. I, I think so I'm anyway, watching. Uh, it's like 15 minutes, right? Yeah. It's long. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Gosh, he won the Academy Award for this. It's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. So did it yeah, like his, ring his a previous bell? Film, w- w- Sorry, his previous his previous film what? 
his previous film was like the first time I'd ever seen CG hair. It's really crude, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he had CG hair, and yeah, it's amazing, amazing guy. Yeah. What did he think of seeing his own stuff? Like, did he remember it? Do you know if he? He st- it, yeah, you see his reactions, like just sparking in his brain, and they interview his uh, ex-wife, and you know, so each of these people have a different stylization to the uh, to their um, look to the modeling and I highly recommend it to anybody who's in animation just because you need to know about his work that he did on walking because it was it was all pose to pose I mean or, or straight ahead action animation <clears throat> no pose to pose the guy just started drawing and the next thing you know it's 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 a guy walking and it turns into this it just starts morphing into all this crazy uh, stuff going on and it's, it's incredible um, is so this, anyway, is this uh, post yeah, Bingo so, the Clowno or bef- Bingo? You remember Bingo the Clowno? He 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 did Bingo the Clowno. So he, he was the director okay. of Bingo the Clowno. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and that was before it was. Uh, it was actually that was after Bingo because Bingo was the first. Uh, yeah. Maya um, example, and they showed that at Sigraph. Like ninety four. Ninety eight, I think. Ish or no, I think it was ninety eight. That late. Ninety eight. Okay. Yeah, because I I was there at uh, it was in oh. Orlando. Mm-hmm. And um, in the electronic theater was the uh, the uh, the main screening, and it, it, it that blew me away like no no other CG I'd ever seen. The, the CG lighting in that, mm-hmm. in, and seeing it in a big theater on a on the big screen, it it, it might have even been like printed to film at that point because it was before HD, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, it was absolutely yeah incredible. So yeah. Chris Chris Landreth in hmm. top dog. I'll um, put that link in the so show anyway, notes too. Yeah, yeah, yeah def- definitely put those links. So, so I was learning traditional animation. Uh, the 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 stuff I was learning in class in computer graphics or anything, the, the teachers really didn't know anything at that point. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there there wasn't much out there to really teach about After Effects or anything. And uh, I got this job at the at the faculty uh, training lab. So I was getting trained on how to use this software. And I remember they came in to train us on Windows 95 is coming out. It's going to be a big new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, like all the heavy CG work was done on Silicon Graphics workstations on IRIX. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it was like you either had those big $50,000 or more computers running $30,000 software. Mm-hmm. Or you were down on a Macintosh trying to find the cheap software. Right. And... Uh, when I got to that lab, there was a guy working there, and he like gave me a CD-ROM full of cracked software. And <laughs> like on, there was, yep. um, <laughs> on there was on there was was Cosa After Effects 2.0, mm-hmm. and uh, so the second version of After Effects, and Electric Image, which at the time mm-hmm. was the professional 3D application to use on the Macintosh. Yeah. Okay. Um, which so the evolution is. there is Paul Babb. That's Paul what Babb it is. was That's the product marketing is. manager That's for Electric Image, mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. brought Cinema over from Germany. It was an Amiga tool, right? Okay. And the and the first three people or so that he gave it to, I was one of those people. Wow. Um, but, and I'll explain. I'll explain how that happened um, in a second. So anyway, <laughs> we um, we were. Uh, I, I was in this lab, and the beauty was besides getting uh, the education on how to use all these tools. Mm-hmm. That lab had a fifty thousand dollar a semester budget, whereas the student lab 
all the student labs had 15,000 combined, and we would get 50,000, five zero Jeez. for the teachers, which is so screwed up, in my opinion. Yeah. And what was even more – and that's when I learned about, like, budgets and bureaucracies. <laughs> right. So, like, <laughs> yeah. my, boss came, my boss would come to me and be like, hey, you need to buy some – You got I, here's $50,000 spending. Mm-hmm. If we don't spend it this this semester, right. we don't get it next semester. Jeez. So, yeah. uh, so back then in 1995, like if you wanted to buy stuff, there was no internet. Like, yeah. like that that lab is the place where I first saw Netscape and the World Wide Web. Right, right, like right. Be- before that, it was like America Online and mm-hmm. Prodigy and these services that I, I would see. But I, but I had never seen the web. So, like, if you wanted to get software or hardware, you had to you'd get these catalogs in the mail. These like Mac Mall catalog, computerware mm-hmm. catalogs. And my boss just hands me these catalogs, and she's like, "Spend fifty thousand bucks." <laughs> so, so I did got you in like have to like, like? Did you call anyone and be like, "Hey, tell me more about your products"? Or you just like, did you already uh, know okay, this is cool. I'm gonna order this. So I would like hear about stuff in like Macworld magazine and stuff, and the the um, you know so so I would be like I, I want a video capture I want I want mm-hmm. like the high end video capture that I couldn't afford. Mm-hmm. So I bought like these Target two thousand cards and these nice. uh, oh, man. I bought these you know so I could hook up computers and I bought Mackie mixing boards and I bought mm-hmm. microphones and and <clears throat> After Effects and and all the stuff. And what was crazy was that uh, when I quit, I had just bought a whole batch of stuff for the next semester. Uh-huh. And I later went back to say hi, and it was all sitting in boxes in the closet. Nobody, oh. knew, yeah, nobody knew what to do with them. Yeah. That's how my but friends teacher, got a hold of copies of 3D Max back in the day. This, this, the yeah. teachers had no idea what it was. It was just sitting in the closet. What, what was sad is they should have then just, like, taken them over to the students to give the students access to yes, this stuff. right. But yeah. instead, they sat in the closet so she could get her next semester of budget. Um, That's so messed up. Or if you have that um, kind of money as a teacher, you know, you get that stuff and you have time to dig into it. and like, But, but yeah, it, I had the same situation when I was going to classes. It was multimedia class, and the teachers had no idea what to teach. Yeah. Oh, that was my that was my entire you know college at the art institute. It's like all the teachers were former students who couldn't get actual jobs, so they came back to teach. (laughs) Did you did you get a Bernoulli? I'd have have my I'd have my three Bernoulli drive. Yeah, Bernoulli drive. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We I never had one, but my friend Jeff, who uh, who was the graphic designer, he had one. Mm -hmm. Um, I. I, we would use SideQuest drives in class, which were mm. similar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and what was great, what was the, what was funny was those SideQuest drives. They were like big, giant, spinning hard drives that you would slide into these cartridges, <laughs> and and you would have to hit a button so the hard drive would spin down, and then you would slide a lever and it would pop out. And when working at that lab, I remember like people would hit slide the lever before it would slide down, and the mm-hmm. cartridge would fly across the room. <laughs> And they were eight. They were like, they were. And it would ruin the cartridge. And they were yeah. eighty bucks for yeah. like for like eighty eight megabytes, I think. Jeez. So it was like you're you're spending a fortune on these things. So That's so anyway, the um, we we uh, in that class, the dude who gave me the cracked software <laughs> was like, 
hey, there's there's a uh, there's a three D animation class in the grad school, a master's class. Mm. And he's like, I'm gonna apply. And we were both undergrad. Mm-hmm. So we like put together a little demo reel of like all the crap that we were putting that we were doing and mm-hmm. uh, went in and we applied for a grad school class and we both got in. That's nice. cool. So 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 we're in this grad school class and the teacher the, the teacher was on a sabbatical for like uh, three years or something and just came <laughs> back to teach his class. Okay. So there was no there was no there was a three year gap in what she knew. Mm-hmm. And when she was teaching prior, she was teaching uh, the the school had SGIs to teach Wavefront. Okay. Which uh, back then there were like there were three professional 3D programs. There was uh, Alias Power Animator. There was Wavefront Explorer, mm-hmm. and there was Softimage. Okay. Th- mm-hmm. Those were the three companies, and like so, like the dinosaurs on. Uh, on uh, Jurassic Park, we're done in soft homage. Right. Um, you know, when you needed to create particle systems, you would use Wavefront. Mm-hmm. That had the best particles. Um, Power Animator was, I'm not even sure where, where that was being used. Yeah. And then there was also actually, uh, <clears throat> the other big one was, uh, um, was uh, Infinity? Side Effects Prism. Oh. No, 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 I'm talking professional. So then there oh, was okay. Prisms. <laughs> which okay. was side effects. So that was the precursor to Houdini. Mm-hmm. Wow. And and prisms was used for heavy particles. Like, um, I remember reading about it on the movie uh, True Lies. The jet nice. engines were done by... G- Digital Domain was a heavy prisms place. Okay. Isn't so, there um, some story like, like the that- Houdini guy and his brother or someone split off and... Am I thinking of a different piece of software? No, uh, yeah, one of them uh, uh, decided to move into Houdini. The other one decided to move into Touch Designer. You oh, know. that's right. Well, it, that's it, right. It, yeah. t- touch Touch Designer was a fork of Houdini. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They forked it out of there. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah. Because they wanted to so, focus so, more on real time on that on Touch yeah. Designer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of similarity. It was. I remember when that came out. It was crazy. Um, yeah. But but the. <clears> uh, all of that software was expensive. I'm talking like to get a full package of Wavefront, I think was like seventy thousand dollars, seven zero, because you had to buy all these different modules for it. And yeah, Softimage yeah. was like thirty five thousand dollars, and you know, and you needed a SGI that would cost you twenty five to fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars to run it on. Hi, my name is Sashia Dumont. I'm a writer, actor, and filmmaker. Hi, my name is Paul Robinson. I'm a director, DP, and filmmaker. We are the creators and hosts of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, an online source for all things indie film. We are a husband and wife film team and co-owners of Send3 Productions, and we started this podcast for filmmakers like ourselves who were producing on micro-budgets with Skeleton Crews. Go Gorilla is a weekly podcast that features various talents in TV, film, and web series productions. We've interviewed filmmaker powerhouses like Kestrin Pantera, Richard Raymond, Alex Ferrari, Cassandra Ebner, and Ryan Connolly. Amazing actors like Hannah Ward, Lou Taylor Pucci, Chris Wataski, and Eileen Gruba. Groundbreaking cinematographers like Jody Lee Lipes, and Jessica Lee Gagne, and many more. We also offer weekly reviews of our favorite films and shows, which vary from low-budget first-time filmmakers to A-listers and everyone in between. Go Gorilla is proud to announce that we have officially joined the MoGraph Podcast Network. So if you love filmmaking as much as we do, tune in every Sunday for a new episode of the Go Gorilla Filmcast. Your, your source, source for, for all things indie film. film.
Now available on the MoGraph Podcast Network. Um, so <laughs> and they know, didn't have Blender because school... you know Blender's free. <laughs> no, and then and then on the lower end you it's had free? stuff like <laughs> you had like the Amiga with uh, the mm-hmm. Amiga ran Lightwave. Um, and then you had like the Macintosh was running electric image or you could go low end with like infinity or strata studio pro. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on windows you had 3d studio. Okay. Um, but, but like, you know, and that was just starting cause windows didn't have window. That was when windows NT was just coming out. Mm-hmm. So I remember being in this, uh, in this class and, and seeing a video of, a company called Colossal Pictures that I always wanted to work for. They were the baddest ass animation studio in mm-hmm. San Francisco. They did all the original uh, MTV bumpers, Beavis and Butthead. They did uh, Aeon Flux. Um, nice. Yeah. And, and they specialized in Blendo animation, they called it. They mixed stop motion with CG, with cell animation, any type of animation all mixed together. They're amazing, and they, they, there was a soft homage videotape came out explaining how they were moving to Windows, and okay, because Microsoft acquired soft homage at that point. Right. So anyway, the um, the, my class, she she was teaching Wavefront, and they were they were making shaders on next, um, next cubes. They had a next mm-hmm. cube in the room, yeah, to okay. make render man yeah, yeah. shaders, and. So yeah, so yeah. let's so, let's so talk the, about like how you know where where that went and and what got you into to your business now like how how did that take you from there yeah. to what you're doing now Yeah so that that class um I had to interview somebody in the industry for that class mm-hmm. and uh I, like I was saying at the time you can't uh you couldn't just buy software like like where would you get After Effects or Electric Image? There was no internet at the time to order it online. There was no, they wouldn't sell that high end software in the Mac Mall catalog where you're buying Word. So I found that there was a local place in town that you would go to buy it. They were called Value Added Resellers. So there was an architectural firm that used Electric Image and they sold Electric Image and After Effects. And if you wanted to buy a different program, you'd have to track down like, oh, these guys sell this 3D program above the ice cream shop in North Beach, and you'd go there and buy that software. So the place that sold After Effects and Electric Image would do user groups. And uh, I went over there, went to a user group, and there'd be like 10 guys gathered, and that was it. There was like 10 people in all of San Francisco who used After Effects. And one of these guys that came and presented there came to my class, and I got to meet him. And he showed me After Effects, actually, for the first time. His name is Fred Lewis, and he now works full-time for me. But um, I ended up getting an internship at this place that was doing the user groups. And that internship, um, we were making CD-ROMs to explain how to use the Internet. So they would teach you what FTP was, uh, Usenet, which was like, you know, internet relay chat, you know, it was like mm-hmm. predecessor to, to chat room. IRC, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, IRC, yep. Yeah. So so we, would, we were making the CD-ROM, and I was doing like Photoshop prep work and uh, doing some um, little bit of After Effects work there. 
and uh, a guy that was freelancing there and it was first job ever he kept telling me what a joke that place was and he's like my brother-in-law works at this badass place in, in cupertino i'm gonna get a job there and this place is a joke and he left and then like six months later he called me up and said hey there's a job opening here at this place cks mm-hmm. and i was still in school i was i was in my fifth year of school my father was paying for it I really had no end in sight because I was just taking classes I was interested in. So mm-hmm. I was missing a lot of requirements. And uh, I went down to this place, CKS, for an interview, and they wanted me to work on Prudential Life Insurance's very first website. Okay. So this stu- this studio, this this office had like 100 artists working in it, and they had like Aeron chairs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was all the toys were on the desks and there was this, mm-hmm. it was like walking into the starship enterprise and like right. you know you see like pixar at the time on on these documentaries it was like whoa there's the toys and there's the uh the cool people and so i went in for this interview and they um they offered me a job to do like photoshop prep work for the prudential life insurance website and at the time they had just finished the very first United Airlines website. They did the Pixar website. Um, the place was owned by uh, the guy who started Apple France. Mm-hmm. His father started National Semiconductor. There, it was like Silicon Valley in the dot com insanity. This is you know nineteen ninety six. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. Um, they gave me this job offer to do that. And I was like, Hey, I can't quit school. My, my father will kill me. I, I can't take this job. And I <laughs> uh-huh. went back to school and I was sitting in a humanities class wanting to kill myself that I didn't get this <laughs> job. And I was bored as hell. And, uh, three months, uh, three weeks later, three weeks later, my pager rang. Like that's, I had a pager. Yeah, this is like before cell yeah. phones. And I ran to a pay phone and it was them again. And they were like, Hey, you are totally overqualified for that job. And we want you to come down and do 3D animation work on a project for Apple. Oh, nice. And nice. I was like, I will be there in one hour. <laughs> ran out of class, jumped in my car, drove to Cupertino, and never went back to school. I never talked to a guidance counselor. I failed on my classes and I dropped out. <laughs> Crazy. So the moral of the story is everybody drop out of school. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. After that agency I worked at, mm-hmm. I got a gig working at a company called Puffin Designs. I was using, mm-hmm. their, I was beta testing their software. Yeah. And and that software was made by Scott Squires, who um, invented the film scanner. He was a effects supervisor at ILM on. Uh, on Star Wars Episode One, Dragonheart, The Mask. Mm-hmm. He he owned the company that did the work for Blade Runner. He was Douglas Trumbull's uh, assistant on Close Encounters. Cool. So I went to work for him, and he was bringing software that him and John Knoll were making to the market. So those guys were building tools at ILM. Mm-hmm. Puffin Designs took them and started selling them. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So tell anyway, us. Anyway, uh, yeah, so- I was working there. Gave a demo to these guys at Phoenix Editorial, and they were doing top top editorial company in San Francisco, doing TV commercials for um, 
all the big dot-com players at the time. Mm-hmm. So we were doing the original Yahoo commercials, do Yahoo, all that stuff. Um, and I eventually, uh, I, was, I was freelancing for those guys and they made me a deal where they said, hey, if you work out of our office all the time, we'll give you free office space. And in exchange, we'll actually give you $25 an hour to just sit here <laughs> in case anything pops up on our TV commercials. Mm-hmm. We just want you to be here. And then when you do real work, we'll pay you your rate. That's cool. So they were so they had a smoke there. They had a discreet smoke, and they had uh, Avids, and we're doing big TV commercials. They had the DigiBetas. They had all this equipment there. Mm-hmm. So I did that. Um Worked on a ton of TV commercials with those guys. And then one day I ended up at an auction at a big post house in town. And I won a bit. I won the auction on their flame. So I bought cool. a flame for $1,800. And this is wow. back when it cost 180000 for the software. Yeah. And you were able to bill out like 800 bucks an hour for this machine. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So... I figured out how to use it and we had the clients who are already coming in from the ad agencies to work in the smoke. So we were able to basically say, instead of having one discrete room, we have two. Mm -hmm. So immediately clients were coming into my room and I started like making a bunch of money off this stuff. So that company Phoenix editorial said, Hey, how about we, how about we make you a partner? So I became a business partner in Phoenix Editorial, and I sold them the flame base. I gave them the flame basically in exchange for the stock in their company. Gotcha. Um, so I did that, worked on TV commercials with those guys for about six years. Mm-hmm. And I was getting sick of just doing like end tags and a lot of like invisible compositing. Mm-hmm. Um, we did some Super Bowl spots. Um, which was cool. Did like made a dolphin talk for Yahoo and a bunch of like warping um, in flame and stuff like that. And uh, I decided that I really wanted to get away from commercials and working with ad agencies and back to what we were doing at CKS, which is um, working directly for the client, creating motion graphics. Mm-hmm. And so instead of doing like a five second and tag, I could get to do a 90 second motion graphics piece. Um, so we split off a division called Bonfire Labs. And uh, that became focused on direct to client while Phoenix Editorial continued to work with ad agencies on editing projects. So started to uh, hook up with old friends uh, at companies like uh, Adobe and Apple and um uh, who else? Salesforce, we would do a lot of work for all the tech companies in in the Bay Area, Microsoft, mm-hmm. uh, Facebook when they started. Um, I was working with Facebook when they were operating off the Stanford campus. So when they came out with their timeline, I directed a piece about the timeline. And mm-hmm. that led to us uh, shooting live action stuff. So I would direct those live action projects. We would go up to the old ILM facilities and do motion control shoots. Um, up at Kerner. And uh, after 12 years with those guys, I had a blow up with my partners there and uh, just decided I'm going to reboot as Swordfish. Cool. And started from scratch. Wow. 
How how long has Swordfish been around? Yeah, what year was that? Uh, we're about to hit ten years next month. Nice, nice. So as were you a, uh, startup and uh, everything for that? Did you um like how did you go about funding it and and mm-hmm. getting uh, clients know, and stuff? Were you able to clients, parlay some of the clients yeah. from the previous job and be like, hey, I'm doing my own thing. Come to me now. <clears throat> well, the that that was that was that was the idea. Yeah. Until I learned that I, I signed a non-compete agreement with my old partners <laughs> that I never realized. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was there was a moment where a pile a new contract came in and I was so busy I, finally just signed everything, not realizing that I signed my life away. Mm-hmm. So that had a uh, that had an eighteen month non-compete agreement with any client that we had pursued or worked with. Oh, that's um, rough. So, which was kind of bullshit. Um, yeah. Because there were names on that list that I had never talked to. Um, mm-hmm, so right. 87 clients, I was told I can't touch for 18 months. Mm-hmm. So the biggest client I had in my previous shop at that time was Sony. Mm-hmm. And about two years earlier, um, when the 2008 recession hit, we we hooked up with Sony to help create the motion patterns and transitions for the very first Android products. Okay. So we got away from doing marketing work and into the UX side. And and what that taught me was that companies, when a recession hits, the first thing they do is they stop marketing. And, but Mm -hmm. what they do is they start putting their money into R and D so that they have new products. When the recession ends, they have something new to market. So that's been a big part of what I've been doing ever since. I try to do uh, motion for UX mm-hmm. and motion for marketing because you're then like covering both bases. Interesting. So yeah. that Sony work uh, we were doing to make their first Android phone. And at the time I was working on the animated wallpaper for the PlayStation 4, hmm. um, which we built in Houdini as a uh, procedural um, animation. That's cool. Uh, which we then coded in OpenGL to run on the PlayStation in real time. Wow. That's super cool. So, yeah, so, 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 so Sony told me that they would give me the contract. And that was able to be used as leverage with my old business partners to say, hey, I'll take less money for you guys to buy me out in mm-hmm. exchange of carving out Sony. So I built Swordfish with a... Uh, you know, $800,000 a year um, retainer. You know, we, mm-hmm. we were on retainer with those guys. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty nice retainer. So, so I had I had, <laughs> I had had the client. I had the work. I, I used my 401k to get through the legal process and to, um, you know, get, get an office and everything I needed to get going. Mm-hmm. And I just started, I, I actually started out of my house where, uh, you know, it was like me and a laptop, and then I bought one Mac Pro on Craigslist. Oh, that's funny. Little cheese grater towers. <laughs> uh huh. And and then uh, you know then we had to do more rendering, so it was like okay, I'll buy another cheese grater. Mm-hmm. So I so I ended up buying like fifty of these cheese graters over time, <laughs> um, for like twelve hundred bucks a pop. Uh huh. Um, and then we also at the time cloud rendering was starting to take off. Mm-hmm. 
and I was friends with the guys who made Zinc Render, which got sold to Google. 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 Yeah. Um, so we were early beta testers of Zinc, and we were so I was able to be in my house crunching mental ray stuff in the Amazon cloud. Crazy. Um, so it was like, get another job, get another job, bring in another guy, get another job, get another job, bring in a guy, and just build the company totally organically. Um, and that's how it was built. Did you have any, were you handling all like the sales or anything like that? Like reaching out to different clients or did you have to hire on someone specifically to do that? You know, I, it was started basically with my contacts and at my previous company, I was driving sales anyway. Okay. So I would be on LinkedIn hunting for people that I knew over my you know, of course, in my industry or years in the industry and just, uh, you know, I, I tend to keep clients for a long time. My, my biggest client right now I've been working with for 25 years Wow. and I just don't, I just try not to, I just try not to screw up. Yeah. Deliver and don't screw up. <laughs> yeah. How do you, how do you handle uh, so, remote work and, and stuff? And I, now? and I, to, to that sense, I, I, I have brought in salespeople twice mm-hmm. and both times it didn't work out. Interesting. How do you handle doing like the remote work and and things with people? Yeah, so I've been working remotely for a long time. So as a business owner who's also on the box, you know, I've been a workaholic my entire career. It's something I'm trying to not do anymore. It's (laughs) not good. Um, So, you know, I started using Apple Remote Desktop probably 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I, I would be sitting at home on my laptop and remoting into a workstation and shooting off renders at the office. Mm-hmm. So I was used to kind of working that way. And then when COVID hit, we um, we we broke early because we were working with tech companies who got out, you know, a month before the city said stop. Yeah. So we saw the writing on the wall, started getting everything set up for everybody to do what I had been doing and, and use VPNs, remote desktop, team mm-hmm. viewer. Um, and, you know, we were able to get everybody home early, do a test. We came back to the office for a few more days and they mm-hmm. were like, OK, let's break. Everybody went home mm-hmm. and that's how we work. So everybody's using computers at home as dumb terminals. We're just using right. keyboards and monitors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're actually working on a computer at our office, <clears throat> and all of our footage, is, all the source footage, is living on our SAN. Um, when you hit render, it shoots it off to all the computers at the office. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of this like reverse cloud. We, yeah. we just did a big job, and Matt was on it for about four months. Yeah, and he was working from Texas, and yeah. Yeah. One of, one of the things that I really uh, what I really like about the way you guys work, and this is something that, you know, Dave and I are currently working on a really big project. And I was I was telling one of our freelancers the other day, I was like, man, I wish I had this set up the same way Swordfish does. Because what's great is y'all, you know, with the project that we worked on, it was like, you know, you'd have your templated one, but then you guys built this custom code, you know, or custom JavaScript or whatever to where it's like, okay, no, I'm working on this one. And it would automatically rename everything and set it all up. And Mm. anytime we sent it to the cloud, you guys had this custom or not to the cloud, to the render farm, you know, 
you had this custom thing that would automatically save the project at what point you you know sent it to the render farm and then would render everything out it was it was a very cool way to work yeah you know the we, we i've got some smart people who work for me <laughs> <laughs> who've worked at big studios. So mm -hmm. I, I've never worked at big studios. I've been fortunate to kind of been able to run my own business um, mm -hmm. for the last 20 years. But uh, the, the person who set up our render farm came from ILM where he was a creature supervisor, mm -hmm. right brain, left brain genius. Um, one of the smartest guys I know. And you know, he knows Python. He just came in and built this whole render farm for us. So we use um, Pixar's tractor as the uh, farm. Okay. And but then all the submit scripts that we build are our own Python or JavaScript that we'll make mm -hmm. for After Effects or Cinema 4D or for Houdini. Um, if we need to sync fonts, all of that happens through the render farm. If we need to compress movies, it happens through the render farms. So a lot of the parts of our system are standard things that happen in big studios. Mm -hmm. So when you submit a job from Cinema 4D or After Effects in our in our studio, it'll always render a duplicate of your scene file. Mm -hmm. That gets stored next to the files that get rendered. Yeah. So that way if you accidentally overrode your file, mm -hmm. You know, and in two weeks, I say, "Hey, client actually wants to go back to right. this version of the movie that they saw." Yeah, that scene file is sitting right next to that movie as a backup. Right. Yeah, so smart. I've, and that's I've, a common way that all render farms um, work in big studios. Yeah, yeah. Have you tried Parsec? But what, but what we've looked at. Uh, all these different alternatives to team viewer and mm -hmm. in general it just everything's just kind of working for us mm -hmm. there, there's some weird oddities with cinema i think that sometimes yeah. happens but i think we figured all the the bugs out yeah yeah my, my biggest yeah. thing with a lot of remote software is the fact that it's hard to control certain things like rotation and things in cinema mm -hmm. and, and parsec has been so solid you forget that you are even working on a yeah, uh, a remote machine sometimes with that. It's it's so solid. It's I'm I'm loving. Except Parsec. they don't have it for the Mac. You know, you can't yeah, control oh, the Mac. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, about that. I think that they do now. I think they do. Oh, they do. Do they? They see they have it. Yeah, I but, think they just came out. I thought that you could do it. Well, unless this this is recent, I downloaded it. I got it installed, and then it's like, oh, you can only view with this. You can't actually yeah. like, control. And I was like, oh, yeah. okay. Maybe, maybe they, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's a great app. I mean, we 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 find that. We find remote Apple remote desktop. If you're going Mac to Mac, is super solid. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then something happened where I think uh, I think people were like cross-platforming. Team Viewer was having some issues. Yeah. And if you just stay on the same platform, it was better. But it's yeah. those type of rotation things that I hear people uh, mm -hmm. freaking out about. Yeah. Yeah. When uh when but the the beauty too is like we. You know, we, we started building more and more tools for uh, for COVID. Mm -hmm. And my favorite thing that we did is in the middle of the project I was working on, Matt, we, we added uh, Slack Slack notifications from the render farm. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. 
that was one of my favorite things. It's like you would submit a job and then you would automatically get the update in Slack saying, hey, this job is done. Like that was that was way cool. Like because you could walk away from your desk yeah. and as long as you've got the notifications on your phone, it's like, OK, now I know it's done, you know. Yeah, it was great because that project we had we delivered two hundred and ten shots, I think it was, mm-hmm. um, and I had I had probably fifteen artists working all over the world, and I was creative directing everybody, mm-hmm. and so we had two hundred and five Slack channels for each yeah, shot, gosh. and that's <laughs> yeah. how we were communicating with each artist. Oh, that's funny. So somebody's render would get done my apple watch would buzz and i'd be able to just kind of like go and check out that render and i think after you finish matt we actually added now like when the render comes in it gives you the hyperlink so you can just click the hyperlink and it pulls that movie right up that's nice yeah yeah See, innovative stuff like that in order to create it, keep your workflow, you know, smooth that was one thing that i really appreciated about working with y'all you know yeah <clears throat> yeah, I, I really – that's where I think – that's one of my strong points of, of, you know, my own personal part of this process is, like, it's all about process, process and mm-hmm. systems. It's yeah. Like, I like, I like to start a job, figure out how to put a good process in, how's this pipeline going to work, and if we mm-hmm. need any new tools, I've got Brendan Bowles to go in and just make stuff. Yeah. And Brendan and I – go way back to that user group I was talking about in 1996. Mm-hmm. He was at Berkeley, a kid, and he would show up to this user group, and there was like 10 nerds sitting <laughs> in a room, and we were the entire MoGraph community. Visual, you know, Anybody using After Effects or Electric Image was coming to this user group. Yeah. And there was like 10 of us, and Brendan was one of them. He then went off to the orphanage and made all the to- a lot of the tools at the orphanage. Mm-hmm. And um, one of those tools that he made was the OpenEXR plugins for After Effects. Oh wow! Yeah, so that's he crazy. He sold those to Adobe, or he uh-huh. licenses those to Adobe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So he's Fenordware, the company Fenord. Mm-hmm. Um. So like, you know, we just did crypto mats for After Effects. So like, Adobe hired us to make the crypto mats for After Effects. Hmm. That's cool. Because um, Brendan's a guy; he can make them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, that, that's another thing I'd like to talk about. So we, we started building these tools in-house, mm-hmm. and we started selling them as mechajiki.com. So we made a program called Render Garden, which does uh, – Wow, yeah, y'all are – oh, wow. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so – yeah, that's all Brendan. <laughs> that's crazy. Huh. <clears throat> um, so uh, – uh, uh, while we were we were working on this project together, I I know you had brought in a bunch. You know, you were adding to the farm and adding to the farm, and you were adding these uh, the Mac Mini, you know, uh, Mac uh, the M1, you know, chips and stuff like that. I'd love to hear your opinion on the new uh, uh, Mac Studio. You know. Yeah, you know I I love it, we. I've been a Mac guy forever, um, mm-hmm. and started using PCs when GPUs started coming out. Right. So before before GPUs, we would do all of our photorealistic product renderings in Maya using V-Ray. Mm-hmm. And once Octane came around, it was like, whoa, look at this stuff. It's fast. 
and Redshift was really the change for us. We were very early Redshift users mm-hmm. um, because uh, the 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 guy at our office, who former employee, he didn't like Octane, and he's like, "This Redshift thing is pretty damn badass." <laughs> uh-huh. And he came from image uh, from Sony ImageWorks and helped make V-Ray, not V-Ray, helped make uh, Arnold. Um, uh-huh. But uh, yeah, so we, we started getting piece, we, when the GPU started coming out, we started putting 1080 ties into our Mac Pro towers mm-hmm. and running one 1080 tie with Redshift or Octane. And then yeah. uh, we realized like that's a hack and the OSs were breaking. So we started mm-hmm. putting those cards in the PCs. And over time, we were running like 80% of our 3D on, on Windows and 20% on Mac. Mm-hmm. But all the After Effects work we would do on the Macintosh, because mm-hmm. there was no difference. We would tr- we would run After Effects on the latest HP Xeon machines that we would buy, and there was no difference between running them there or a cheese grater. Yeah, because they weren't multi-threaded, and right. the rendering yeah. just sucked in After Effects. Yeah. <laughs> so when when the M1s came out, we tested it, and it was like three times faster than the cheese grater mm-hmm. for After Effects. And I've been a long time After Effects beta tester. I know their engineers. And I was told by one of their engineers that, you know, After Effects is is a 25-year-old program, 30-year-old program now. It ha- the, the foundation hasn't really changed. It's very mm-hmm. old. Mm-hmm. And if, if, if Intel or any chip manufacturer came to them and said, what would the ideal chip be architecture be for the way that the crappy way that After Effects works? Uh-huh. <laughs> it would be the M1. The yeah. way that it's built is perfectly made for After Effects. Mm-hmm. So I tested it. I was blown away, and I was like, you know what? You know that job came in. We needed a lot of rendering power. I needed mm-hmm. a lot of artists to be working on stuff. Mm-hmm. So I bought forty of those M1 oh computers. My gosh. Yeah. And just loaded them up with 16 gigs of RAM. Mm-hmm. And they work amazingly well. Mm-hmm. The problem with them is the RAM limitation. Mm-hmm. And the RAM limitation is never causing us to like crash the program or anything. It's just limiting the duration of our RAM previews. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. The, mm-hmm. the, the project that we had you on, was those were essentially 6K renders. You know, they yeah. were... 4K by 4K mm-hmm. square. So the we would be able to cache like you know a certain amount of time in RAM, and then you're stuck. So you'd have to work quarter res, and you still couldn't cache the entire sequence. Yeah, quarter res. So to me, what what I really needed was a Mac Mini using the exact same chip that I could put more RAM in, mm-hmm. and that's what the new studio is giving us. Yeah. So I have one coming any day now that is uh, the lowest end model with 64 gigs of RAM. That nice. costs 2,500 bucks. Yeah. And to me, that's the perfect After Effects machine because it's a faster chip than what we currently have in the minis. Mm-hmm. And it has the 64 gigs of RAM. I don't need a fast GPU for After Effects. Mm-hmm. We have PCs loaded with triple 2080 ties. That's yeah. what's giving our 3D power. Mm-hmm. So that's my attitude on these new machines. They're they're awesome, and they're they're only going to get better. Yeah, I I truly believe that in five years 
they could overtake NVIDIA. Yeah. It's, it's funny because, you know, while I was working remotely on those, you know, the Mac minis and stuff like that, I, you know, I, you had talked so much about the M1 Max on, and that was my first experience with him. And I kept saying, you know, I really enjoyed working on it. And I was like, man, if, if they just make like a 64 gig one or like a, you know, uh, uh, whatever i would buy that and i would make that my main machine you know and then they literally announced the mac studio but then the price is a bit outside of my comfort zone for it you know but yeah they look like crazy it's pretty crazy because like you know i've got this off i got an office that is um you know cost fifteen thousand bucks a month to rent an office right now Mm -hmm. and no one's there yeah (laughs) you know there's there's 25 desks two edit suites and there's literally an office manager there just to reboot computers. That's funny. (laughs) Um, And it's sad. It's weird. I'm paying a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned earlier, I, I I just went into contract on a new house Mm -hmm. and that new house has a nice big office space with fiber internet. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why couldn't I run this all out of my house? Mm -hmm. And, if everything was running on minis uh-huh. or those studios, they draw no power. They don't give up any heat. Yeah. If I have to put 25 PC towers into my house, I need to buy air conditioning and my bills yeah. go up. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I'm kind of dreaming of a day where I could just kind of do, you know, if they could get a GPU fast enough for us to run cinema. Yeah. What do you um, What do you do? Where, would you, where do you think you're going now? As as far as having a studio space, are you are you bringing people back in, or are you going to kind of cut that down? I, I think we're staying home. That's fun. Yeah, and, and I'm sure your yeah, employees we, we have love the that. office. If, <laughs> yeah. if anybody wants to get out of the house, come to the office and and get away from the kids for the day. Right. Right. But you know. I want everybody, ideally, I would love everybody to come once a month. You know, we're, we're going to try to say like the last Friday of every month, everybody try to come to the office and work and we're going to go out for a big lunch. Yeah. And do some, you know, that, that's the biggest thing I miss is just the, the lunch table, the water cooler talk. Mm-hmm. We just don't have it anymore. And, and we, you know, we've even gotten to a point where Anthony Abbott, who was on your show, he, he just moved. He, he took off yeah. and moved out of state. Yeah. So that's my first employee to get move out of state, and which is a whole nother <laughs> thing for a business yeah. owner to figure out how to deal with payroll taxes. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. I I was gonna ask. Uh, I meant to ask this earlier. Um, y'all y'all work you know mostly in C forty After Effects and Houdini, right? At what point did you move over from like Flame into C four D? You know, of all softwares. Yeah. So the, so I used the flame because I bought it at an auction. And mm-hmm. before I used the flame, I was the guy who was going around telling the whole world, you don't need a flame. Like you could yeah. use <laughs> a combination of After Effects, Commotion, and Electric Image, mm-hmm. and you've got a flame. Mm-hmm. And, and you can carry it in a backpack, and you don't have to be stuck on a giant refrigerator-sized computer. Right. Um, but then once I got that flame at that auction... Suddenly, I told all my clients, "No, you have to do this on a flame, right? Because it's eight hundred bucks an hour, <laughs> right. and, and I just bought a house, so I need right. need the money, right?" Um. So the 
the reality is like I came from that world. And, and as I was mentioning earlier, when I was in where, where I interned was the local place to buy electric image in San Francisco it was an architectural firm. Mm-hmm. And I started interning there and they were doing CD rounds and I met the guys from electric image there. Mm-hmm. And I started becoming a demo artist for them at places like SIGGRAPH. So I would go down to SIGGRAPH or they'd call and say, hey, there's an event happening in the Bay Area. Can you drive over there and give a demo? And the product marketing manager was Paul Babb. Yeah. So I was Paul's demo kid. I I owe Paul a lot in my, uh, I'm sure there's a million other kids right now or guys saying that. When I was a kid, Paul helped me because he's a great kid. Um, He's still, I consider Paul one of the, greatest guys who's really helped my career mm-hmm, 100% and uh, one day he quit and then a few months later he came to San Francisco and and had a meeting uh, at this at the same place the same architectural firm mm-hmm. and he was like hey I'm bringing this tool from Germany to America and you should check it out mm-hmm. and I was all in on electric image at the time and I mm-hmm. looked at it and it was weird to me because the camera view was on the top left and I was used to the camera view on the top right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you couldn't switch it at that point. <laughs> and that one reason kept me from using it. I was like, I, that just bugged me. That's, That's funny. funny. And, and back then like 3d software was like tribes, man. It was like, you're, you're a 3d, you're a 3d studio guy. You're an electric mm-hmm, image guy. You're a right, lightweight mm-hmm. guy. And there probably were like brawls at NAB over this crap. Um, so I was an electric image guy and Maya had just come out or was about Mm -hmm. to come out. And I was eyeing Maya as that's my next, that's, if I'm going to spend time to invest in a new software, it's going to be Maya. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. So I jumped into the Maya world and my company was basically Maya and after effects. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I was an early user of Nuke. When Nuke first became commercial, I saw that and I was like, I need that because that's like a flame. Yeah. Um, I I got a flame because uh, I knew everybody was making money on it, right? Right. <laughs> you can make a lot of money using flame. And when I was working at Puffin Designs, I was managing John Knoll's software and I ported Knoll Light Factory to flame. That's funny. Puffin Designs got acquired by uh, Pinnacle Systems, which became Avid. It became mm-hmm. part of Avid. And they wanted nothing to do with SGI and Flame plugins. So they didn't want the tools that I ported. So I went to John Knoll and I said, hey, can I take over your Flame plugins? Because I found out that if you're a Flame plugin developer, you get a free copy of Flame. <laughs> software <laughs> or flint at the time it was their uh-huh. low-end version of flint mm-hmm. uh-huh. so like i bought an sgi a used sgi a little uh o2 toaster looking thing that i could run flint on mm-hmm. and i started learning how to use the flame and then i got to this auction and i bought the machine for eighteen hundred dollars like a full-blown flame yeah started making all this money um then we were still using uh, Maya mostly, and I started bringing in some freelancers who use Cinema 4D, mm-hmm. and it was like, okay, th- this is kind of cool because you could do the MoGraph stuff. Yeah. 
And we, we just looked at it like it's just for it's just for MoGraph. If you need to do cloners and that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. we would use Cinema 4D for that with a freelancer. Mm-hmm. And we would do our photoreal renderings in Maya with uh, Mental Ray and then V-Ray. We were early V-Ray users. Mm-hmm. Um, so over time, more of our guys just started using Cinema. And then uh, when I started Swordfish... I brought in a guy named Dean Foster, who uh, I freelanced at at my old shop, Bonfire. I love and Dean. Dean <laughs> is a monster. Yeah, he is. Yeah, so so I, th- I think Dean did 25% of those shots himself out of yeah, the uh, 210. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he is the fastest cinema guy I've ever seen, and it's because he, he's been doing 3D for like 40 years. Yeah. So he started on Symbolics in the 80s and then was a flame demo artist in the early 90s and Sony Imageworks um, on the movie Contact. And then he got recruited by ILM and learned Maya very early. He was at Pixar on Cars and Monsters, Inc. Cool. Um, he, uh, he left Pixar and ended up at Goodby Silverstein and Partners uh, Advertising Agency. And at that time, they had like $2 billion worth of accounts and built their own in-house post department that had like 50 guys in there. And they literally sucked up every great freelancer in the Bay Area to just sit there. So Mm -hmm. when their clients would walk in, they're like, there's our CG team. Even though they (laughs) would go hire the big shops in LA to do the final spots, it was crazy. Mm -hmm. So Dean is sitting there at Goodby doing nothing and uh, decided I'm going to learn the Cinema 4D thing. And once he learned Cinema 4D, he never wanted to touch Maya again. And he, he <laughs> hates Maya. He despises it. <laughs> so That's funny. he started with me, and he just wanted to use Cinema. And it was like, oh, yeah, this is what we're going to use. And then it was like, over time, the quality of Cinema got better and better. And we started using some V-Ray for Cinema 4D. Mm-hmm. But we would still do our product renderings in uh, in Maya with with uh, V-Ray, mm-hmm. and then once the GPU happened, that's where it all switched. Right. And I was like, we're going to do photoreal product renders in Cinema, and we're going to mm-hmm. do MoGraph in Cinema, and we're going to do our camera maps in Cinema, mm-hmm. and it basically became everything for us, except for character animation. Mm-hmm. And our character animation is still done in Maya. Um, mm-hmm. And I've got full-time uh, Jen Emberly as our lead character animator. Jen was the animation director at ILM for 12 years or so. She wow. she animated dinosaurs, Terminators, everything. She She's the best animator I've ever worked with by far. How do you, how do you find some of these uh, amazingly talented people you know is is the is the bay area just such a tight-knit group of people you know or or are you specifically seeking them out but it's it's very segregated Uh uh-huh so like the film people don't know the mograph people like i i I remember having lunch with a a friend who uh owned atomic fiction visual effects studio and he was like man, we, we got this job and everybody's telling us we should use Cinema 4D, but we can't find any of those artists. And I'm like, 
dude, I could find you 20 cinema guys right now. Right. I can't find any Houdini guys or Nuke guys. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I've got 30 of those all around, man. It's like we just were out of the world. So when I started uh, Swordfish, I brought in my friend Mauricio, who is the right brain, left brain genius I talked about earlier, who did all of our early Python coding. Mm-hmm. So he was directing projects for me, creative directing, writing scripts. And then at the same time, he's writing Python. Um, and he knew everybody from the ILM world because he was a superstar creature supervisor at ILM and he was the CG supervisor at the orphanage. Yeah. So he was a, he's how I found all these people like Jen Emberly that I never would have had uh, relationships with. Yeah. So, yeah, so we got people like Jen. I have Fred Lewis, who's full-time TD to rig characters, and then Jen will animate them. Mm-hmm. Once the animation's done, we alembic it all over to uh, cinema to get uh, the final shot done. And then I've always been a huge fan of Houdini, like I said, all the way back to, like, 1999 when they came out with the program. Mm-hmm. Because... I had a friend from college who was using prisms Mm -hmm. um, at a studio he worked at. They were doing broadcast design, like the opening for the wonderful world of Disney, like flying through the magic castle and all the pixie dust Mm -hmm. is flying around with Tinkerbell. All of that was done in prisms. And when Houdini came out, he, uh, he started using Houdini for a bit. Mm -hmm. And then they shifted that whole company to Maya when Maya came out. So, Mauricio, who did all the Python for me, he was using all this proprietary destruction software and simulation software at ILM. He went to the orphanage and had to use 3D Studio Maxer and hated it. (laughs) So he brought Houdini into the orphanage and started to learn Houdini and was like the first guy in the Bay Area to use Houdini. So he started working for me. I bought a Houdini license at my old company. probably around 2010 mm-hmm. and I started learning Houdini myself, but I quickly realized like, I don't have that left part of my brain to figure out Houdini. Yeah. Right. But I, I would see what was done with it by companies like motion theory in LA mm-hmm. or psyop. There were these companies where the particle work and the sim- the dynamics were just on another level. And I would like, start studying the credits and find out like, Oh, that guy did it. I look at his website and be like, Oh, he's a Houdini guy. Uh So I've been wanting to get Houdini into our motion graphics pipeline since probably 2009. Mm -hmm. I got Mauricio involved with, uh, with swordfish when I started it and we got Houdini licenses for like our first job, which was the animated wallpapers for uh, the PlayStation. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, what I found was that I can never, even Mauricio, who is this genius, he's not a designer. Mm-hmm. And it was very hard to find a designer who could use Houdini. Mm-hmm. And uh, a friend of Anthony Abbott's that he went to college with um, was at Pixar and got laid off. They, they laid off their Houdini department after a show ended, after Finding Dory. Interesting. Hmm. And that guy was Dan Clark, and he came in and and freelanced for me on one job. And the first day he was on this job, he was doing uh, splashing water. And 
at the end of the day, he had it rendered in Redshift, and it was beautiful. Like, he was the first guy I had ever seen who could design in Houdini mm-hmm. and write and do the whole thing as Vex code. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, and uh, it, it was like, who is this guy? And then I realized he won a Student Academy Award at BYU for his short film. Mm-hmm. He interned at Side Effects. He went to Pixar for five years. He went to Disney. He's absolutely incredible. So I brought him on full time. And it's like suddenly I had that Houdini guy that I always dreamed of having. Yeah. And that just elevates everything to where the project we were on, there were shots that were like impossible. They would have never gotten done if we didn't have a pro like that in Houdini who just knocked it out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Well, we want to get some of your uh, feedback on the NFT world as well. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think we're going to do the drop here, Matt. Sure. Yeah. Are you, are you yeah. ready for let's the drop? Ha- uh, yeah, oh. let's hop over to the drop. Let's do it. Here we go. The drop. Drop, drop. Is this the fucking mic? Drop. This is exactly what I should be doing. <laughs> What's up and welcome to this week's episode of The Drop, your weekly source for all things NFT and crypto art, as well as upcoming drops by notable people in the MoGraph industry. I'm Matt Milstead. Joining me as always is Dave Costin. Joining the, this week... Matt Silverman from Swordfish. Uh, super excited to hear his opinions on the entire NFT space. Um, yeah. yeah, so this should be a good discussion. But uh, first, let's uh, let's get the uh, let's uh, let's get the the main stuff out of the way with uh, this week's drops. Um, let's start off with Nifty Gateway. Um, dang it, I didn't put anyone's dates down. That's okay. Three twenty-eight. Yeah, three twenty-eight. Uh, so uh, today. Uh, I'm really excited about this one. Uh, Julius Horstuis. I'm not sure whether I'm saying that correct. But these are beautiful pieces. I really, really like these pieces. Uh, Dave, if you can scroll down. Yeah, and, and get some of these. fractal collection. Yeah, yeah. Super, super cool stuff. I really dig the worlds that they're creating. You know, it's it's much more in-depth than some of the, you know, crappy nfts we see coming out <laughs> yeah you know i love this but, fractal yeah. mayan fractal one that's that's really mm-hmm. cool looking super rad full screen on these but yeah really cool looking yeah cool looking stuff so that's today's drop uh tomorrow's drop there are two people uh you may recognize this person raul yeah, marx raul you know mm-hmm. og astronaut model you know it's interesting that he's not doing any astronaut stuff but uh yeah this is uh raul's uh drop tomorrow uh cool looking architecture stuff kind of surreal you know gives me kind of like a dolly vibe you know with the colors and stuff so cool stuff yeah make sure and check that out the other one tomorrow is um a uh uh lehman maupin i'm not sure whether i'm saying that correct or not but they are a basically a gallery um uh that are doing a different drop for yeah i guess whatever it's i AR, don't know what all they're AR, doing uh visit collect ar to preview them oh that's cool yeah see them in ar first yeah cool yeah and then um, uh, the last one is on the 30th, I believe. Uh, it says Vex. Um, Any I relation did, to, it, to Vex, like Houdini yeah, Vex? Houdini? No, yeah. I don't know. But I love the colors on this one. I think the work is really pretty. You know, these are some of the previous drops that they have done. But, uh, yeah, really pretty stuff. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to that one. one. 
Yeah. Um, other stuff, Maker's Place has two drops coming up. Uh, the first one is Ethan Pines. We talked about Ethan Pines before. Um, photographer, you know, had a drop a few weeks ago. And from the success of that, uh, uh, Ethan's oh, doing yeah. a, another drop, you know. It'd take famous people, photography, stuff like that, you know. Is that uh, Rick Roll guy? I have I no idea. His name. No, that's Rick Astley. Rick Astley? I don't think that is, no. Oh, okay. It could be. I don't know. Oh. So uh, that's the 29th. Then on the 31st, uh, uh, Patrick Ortman, also known as Motion Sickness, is doing a drop called States. Um, yeah, let me play this one so I can remember. Oh, yeah, this one was very cool. Mo-graphy. Super, very Mo'Graphy stuff. Yeah, yeah, I really dug this one. You know, it's like OG, you know, Cinema 4D, Mo'Graph. I don't know whether he's using Cinema 4D. Right. But by the looks of it, it seems like it would be, you know. Right, that's a lot of cloners. That is a lot that of cloners, yeah. a lot yeah. of cloners. Yeah. Yeah. Render instances. It's it's your friend. Right. Right. Yeah. Um. And then there's the big Ash Two stuff, which I I don't know much about it. You know, it's a a drop. Uh, uh Pac. You know, does the Ash stuff, and they've got a whole bunch of different creators who are doing uh uh pieces. You know, for this Ash Two drop, I know uh, uh, Blake Catherine's doing one, and Gavin Shapiro, a bunch of other really well-known artists in the space are doing drops for that. So I'm interested to see yeah. more about that. But that's today. Other than that, that's all I got for the drops. Yeah, Matt I had Silverman. A, I I, I had a link <laughs> that I wanted to talk about real okay, quick, which okay. is um, it, it's just a Twitter uh, post that somebody mentioned. Um, it's somebody who uh, it's it's bored ape conrad on twitter who owns an ape and was talking about oh i wanted to make so, you know you own a bored ape you get the rights to it right sure right okay what what the the problem because becomes when you're trying to use these third party sites to make stuff that has to do with your ip which is it's yours because i mean you own you right. own like the rights to do stuff with it, and he posted. He was like, "I wanted to make some sweet high tops that had my board mm-hmm. ape on it." And I went to the site, yeah. and it's like, "Oh, you can use any art you want, but if you look at the the fine print, it's like, oh, also we have the right to use whatever you create for our stuff and show it in advertising and oh, stuff." So all of a sudden, crappy. they could advertise that shoe with your board ape on it. Yeah, right. Like, so you have to watch the fine print on everything and make sure that. That you're not like yeah. turning over the rights to your ape or whatever it would be that you own to the company yeah. that you're getting something printed through. So just something yeah. to note. Speaking of board apes, I was I would uh, I hung out with uh, Frederick Duquette uh, this weekend for a little bit. I was hanging out with him in beige um, at the Otoy party, like and you do. I was like you do, you know, yeah. no big deal. Uh, uh, fuck render for those who don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, I was I was talking to him. I was like, because he he did this thing where he's like, hey, I'm willing to trade three board apes, you know, for a house in Vancouver, <laughs> you know. And I thought that was really funny. There was a few like, you know, <laughs> Matt, I could see you just like. <laughs> but I was asking. I, I said, you know, are you still doing that? Are and there he any actually... greater fools here? <laughs> <laughs> So um, he said he ended up selling uh, all but one of his bored apes, you know, because he wasn't sure about the project anymore. And I thought that was really interesting. But like he's like full on in the doodle space right now. I was like, all right, that's cool. You know, and he just mm. he it just dropped his uh, his uh, fuck render avatars and they had sold out in like a day or something like that. So it was pretty cool. But yeah, 
Matt Silverman, let's 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 hear your opinions on why we're all wrong. <laughs> it's not that you're wrong. You could do whatever you want with your money. I just don't think it's a wise investment because yeah. it, it it's a non-productive asset. Okay. And it's all it is is a non-productive asset. Mm-hmm. It's an NPA, not an NFT. Do you do you think that <laughs> it's, it's like more worth it to? create nfts for other people than to do it yourself or no i think i think anything you're buying a block on a blockchain you're not buying anything really and that block on that blockchain is completely worthless there's nothing there you're buying an electron Mm -hmm. and um you know the only way that it's going to become more valuable is if you find a sucker to give you more money than you paid for it uh-huh. to get out. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Whereas, you know, if you buy a house, it's a productive asset. You know, sure. this guy wants to trade his non-productive asset for a very productive asset. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a board ape for a house, sure. Mm-hmm. And, the, <laughs> right. and the house, you get to live in it. You know, there, it, it serves a function. Um, even gold is a non-productive asset that actually has function. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if gold went to zero dollars, you still can have a nice piece of jewelry out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can uh, use that gold. You know, that gold is valuable because it's used in electronics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you buy stock, you're investing in a company that has real products or services. Mm-hmm. It all it, it's there's no difference between an NFT and crypto. You're buying a block on the block on a blockchain. Mm-hmm. Right. And. The, the reality is that it pisses me off that it's called cryptocurrency because it's not currency. You have to trade it in for real currency in order to barter with it. Currencies are used to barter. Not all the time. Not all the time. Yeah, like like yeah. What, I mean, yeah. What, if it hit the the status yeah, of you being can, able you to buy, do you that, you use it to buy you? a candy store at the market. I, you right, know, right, right, coin right, right, exchange. No, no car dealership is going to take Bitcoin for their car because not yet. Today, that <laughs> car, you know, today I could buy a today I could buy a Tesla, and tomorrow I could buy a Honda. Mm-hmm. Right, it's, right. The stability is the it, issue. It, yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah. The stability is insane. Yeah. So, you know, and and at the at the price it's at now, like you're going to buy anybody who's investing in crypto. You're not going to get the same return on investment as somebody who was willing to do it uh, ten years ago, right? And sure. In order to get that kind of, you know, if you want to become a millionaire off Bitcoin now, you're going to have to put a lot of money into that yeah. Bitcoin. Yeah. Which means absolutely. you really don't care about the money you have. You already have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And the 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 only two people I know who have done well on Bitcoin. One of them, his wife has about $10 million in the bank in a trust fund. Mm-hmm. So all the money that he makes from his day job doing Cinema Fordista is uh, is funny money. So he could, go, right. he, he could go play roulette or he could play Bitcoin, whichever he uh-huh. wants. It doesn't matter. The do other people I know stabilizes, who, it would who be made good? a killing. Like, like, do you, like I don't if think it, it can't stabilize? Because no. it's the greater full model. No. Huh. And the... The other people I know bought MDMA on the Silk Road, <laughs> and they had leftover change, and they didn't know how to get how to get their money back. Uh huh. 
and they made hundreds of thousands of dollars off of that spare change. That's right. funny. So, <laughs> so, you know, and, and I, I think it's important for people to understand the <laughs> NFT game that got played with people because everybody hears that people made all this money and the reciprocal actions of people like you who own Beeple's who can make money. Mm-hmm. But the, the reality is that the guy who bought Beeple's artwork didn't buy it for $69 million. Mm-hmm. He bought it for $69 million worth of Ethereum. Yeah, right. That guy bought his Ethereum when it was worth nothing. Right. So for all you know, he paid $690 worth of his Ethereum right. Right. to buy that art. Yeah. Right. And yeah. what happened? It got on the front page of the New York Times that this thing is for sale on Christie's Auction House, a mm-hmm. very legitimate brand name that lent authenticity to this whole thing. Mm-hmm. It gets it, it gets sold to this guy for 69 million bits. <laughs> that guy that guy gave $690 to get that art that he doesn't even own the art. He owns the, that part of the blockchain. Right. Mm-hmm. And it caused so much buzz that everybody then wanted to get into NFTs mm-hmm. and to put your art onto the NFT exchange. You need to use Ethereum mm-hmm. to put your art up onto OpenSea. Mm-hmm. in order to buy the art from OpenSea, You need to buy Ethereum and mm-hmm. I've got a lot of friends who saw what happened to people, and they're like, I'm pu- I just minted my first NFT. Yeah. Right. You're the greater fool. You just bought Ethereum. What yeah. happened <laughs> to the guy who bought people's art? The other $400 million worth of Ethereum that he owns just turned into $700 million. Worth yeah, of I can see that. Because okay. he made a giant pump and dump. <laughs> <laughs> that, I, I, it, I, I don't know. It's real, dude. I'm yeah. not, see, and... and Nobody nobody understands the game. It, it's a giant game. It's a scam. It's a pyramid mm-hmm. scam. That's a, it sounds like stocks. And you need a greater pool to make more to money. Too. You know. No, it's not. It's very different because when you buy stocks, there is a there it's it's a productive asset. Mm-hmm. You're you're investing in a company that's taking that that's able to then become a bigger company and make more products and new products or services. And that's what your money is investing in. Mm-hmm. That's that's the asset. Mm-hmm. So there is no asset with what would Bitcoin, be the solution, crypto, though? NFTs. What would be the what would be the What's solution that? to that? Like like if if uh, how would you invest in art and feel that it is worth it to you and that it it is an actual investment, like investing mm-hmm. in a real piece of art. I, w- I would buy I would buy real art that I could hang on my wall and enjoy. Because that that right there is the uh, you know that's the productiveness of art. Hmm. I can I sit can, and look at I it can, on my wall. I can I can you watch can, my NFTs on my TV. It's on my wall. <laughs> and so could I. <laughs> yeah. So that's why yeah, my question I, is like, what <laughs> is the solution to that? Like, if uh-huh. if you wanted to buy somebody's piece of digital art. Mm-hmm. What would you... I'd say if you want to be an artist, there you could you could be an artist just like there always has been. You could be an artist, a fine artist, try to get in the gallery, sell your stuff, or become a commercial artist, and and use your abilities, your skills, your natural born talent to uh, sell out 
And by selling <laughs> out, I mean you're going to be making real U.S. dollar currency, uh-huh. real currency, uh-huh. and and figure out a way to make your money. And and so, for example, I'm I'm now working on a uh, game trailer for an NFT video game, mm-hmm. where you'll be able to buy the characters as tokens. Mm. Mm-hmm. An investment company gave that company five million U.S. dollars, real money. To make the game, mm-hmm. they then are taking a 10 percent of that money to create a trailer. The trailer mm-hmm. gets made to create the hype. They then go, they then go uh, ITO, mm-hmm. initial token offering. Okay. This is the whole new model. This is the whole bullshit scam <laughs> of Web 3.0 uh-huh. metaverse. It's all this giant hype that they're building up right now but they take the company ito which mm-hmm. means before the game is ever made people are going to be able to buy their nfts of the mm-hmm. i own lizard man i'm making so <laughs> right sure so you really don't own anything you own a block of the nft with a little character of a lizard a little avatar mm-hmm. attached to it mm-hmm. and what's going to end up happening is that they're going to take the five million dollar investment that they make to build this video game they're going to hopefully sell $5 million worth of tokens. They have $10 million now to make a video game. If that game gets made and it's shit, your tokens are going to be worthless. If yeah. they go out of business before the game gets made, your tokens are worthless. Yeah. But the company got real U.S. dollars. They're not, they're not doing it for tokens. They're doing it for dollars. Right. They're doing right, it for right, real right. currency. For now. Right. And, and for now. <laughs> and I have I have no problem taking their U.S. dollars to make the game trailer. Right. And and and, and if you look up a uh, the the game that everybody's talking about in the space is called uh, is is called um, Star Atlas. Mm. Look up Star yeah. Atlas and look at the trailer that they made. It looks like Avatar. They spent okay. over a million dollars to make this trailer. That's Which beautiful. means that a CG studio, our, our people here, that's how you can make some real money off of this whole world. Use your real artistic skills to make art. Don't try to buy somebody else's digital MoGraph cloner. <laughs> Just because their name is cool doesn't mean that the that it's great art. And mm-hmm. It's an investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, look. Do you... that's what I would recommend. Somebody's oh, here boy. to say hi. <laughs> hey, Matt. I know, I know hi, you're ready for a nap after that uh, that flight you had today, so I'll keep this short. I'm uh-huh. good at keeping track of time, though, because uh, I'm a watchdog. Oh, God. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I, too, Matt. was in L.A. for the <laughs> NFT event uh, uh-huh. at the Oscars, though. Okay. Not the one you went to. Mine's better. Uh, did you see the whole Chris Rock thing? I oh, we're gonna talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what kind of will? You know what kind of dog Will Smith would be? No, definitely not a boxer. Ah, uh, with as much weird as he was seen, you think he's yeah, more that, of a bulldog. He, he played Ali. What, what happened there? He played right, Ali. right, right. That's true. Slap him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, I gotta go. I gotta take a, a dog nap. I'm gonna leave you with this joke though. Why was a dog suspicious of the meat packing plant? Why? Because it was by the pound. 
Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay, bye. Oh, gotta love yeah, so that's, that's my classics. That's my theory on NFTs. Like, I, it, 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 if you want to buy them it. and you, you think it's great, it's, you know, a lot of people bought these uh, Beanie Babies. Right. And they <laughs> traded them. And, uh-huh. you know, it, it, all, it all comes down to, like, what is money and why was money invented? It was yeah. meant to barter. Like, there was a point yeah. in time where we just bartered. Yeah. And and pretty soon you're like, well, I've got corn and you've got milk. And you're like, but you know what? I got a lot of corn. I don't need any more corn. Mm-hmm. So there needed to be like this intermediary thing that you could get. Like, let's just use these rocks. Now I got rocks and I can later trade those for other things. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's like, I don't know. If people want to do it, great. I don't. I don't. I don't think it's a I good think, idea, and I don't want. I don't want my friends to lose money. That's really where yeah, I'm coming from. I get that. And as a studio owner, I'm. I'm curious, like, when this whole NFT craze hit, did you find yourself losing out a lot of like your solid freelancers that you had? You know, because they're like, oh, I'm just making NFTs Never. now. No. No, That's nobody's made nobody's made any money making NFTs. I know. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but I, I'll tell you what the guy the guys I hire can make a great living creating corporate porn for my clients. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, oh, there was something else I was going to ask. Now I don't remember. That's okay. I don't know. Like for me, for me, I love. I I I've always been into collectibles. You know, like I've got so many dang toys and and I, I, I just really enjoy collectibles. And so, like, for me, when people came on the show and talked about it, you know, I always saw the blockchain as not so much it's on the, the blockchain. It's that it's you're using that thing on the blockchain as their certificate of authenticity, saying that this piece of right. art actually right. came from this person's wallet. I was talking to Mike, uh, uh, you know, when he was speaking at uh, Motion Plus Design this weekend, and I was asking him, you know, because I think artwork on the blockchain, the NFTs, you know, one, the NFTs are are terribly marketed. I think the NFT name itself is a terrible brand, and it needs a completely new marketing platform because that's what's going to happen. Some big corporation is going to come along and they're going to want to use the blockchain technology, you know, the smart contracts and stuff in order to create something, but they're going to have to rebrand it as something else, you know, before people will actually there, get on board. There's a lot of good uses for the blockchain. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good use for the blockchain, but crypto and this stuff is not it. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I like Ryan Talbot. Everybody like can Ryan do what Talbot's they want in this world. Yeah. <laughs> I just hate to see friends lose. You know, like, like, Absolutely. And, and I got I turned off to Bitcoin. I, I had yeah. a guy working for me that I told you he, he's done pretty well on, on crypto. Mm-hmm. But he, he'd have his laptop open at my office, and those Coinbase charts were just going all day. Mm-hmm. And for about nine months, I'd walk by him and be like, "Yeah, it's still at sixty five hundred, dude. Nothing's changed. Nothing changed." He'd be like, "Yeah, dude, it's it's about to pop, dude. Buy, buy." Yeah, it's like you're looking <laughs> at me as the greater fool, dude. You need me to buy so yours goes up. There's no right. inherent value to it, right? And and it's and it's destroying the world, dude. Like this whole proof of work system, not is always impossible not always. to sustain. Not always. <laughs> it, absolutely, dude. You can't defend it. Not always. 
I like I like Ryan Talbot's uh, comment. He's like, yeah, I don't know anyone that's made money in NFTs either. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. All um, right. Well, on that note, if uh, if you or anyone you know has an NFT or a uh, 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 a piece that they're dropping, feel free to email us info at mograph dot com. We'll show it on the show. You know, to each their own. Can I, can I say one last thing? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> the the. Uh, I, I spoke to a woman who's also making a game, mm-hmm. an NFT game. She got 15 million in investment. She previously started a web web 2.0 company mm-hmm. that she took public and yeah. walked away with ha- walked away with half a billion dollars. Jeez. And she explained this whole scam to me. <laughs> and she knows it's a scam. And she's right. doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Now, but 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 the trailers are the important part of this whole scam and these for the next two years until the regulations hit, which inevitably mm-hmm. will happen, right. yeah, get in on these trailers mm-hmm. because that's where you could use your 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 skills to make this money. And we did a thing last year at our studio. We we were on a big job, and at the beginning of COVID, we had people sitting around, so we made a little short film called Telos mm-hmm. that we presented at the Maxon Roadshow last year. Mm-hmm. So we made like a, a two minute trailer for this fictitious film thing that we did mm-hmm. and it was just artists sitting around and we, we were like what are you interested in learning about and we figured out a cohesive way to put it together into a short little film mm-hmm. it's on our website and i'm looking at that and i'm like wow this looks just like these type of trailers i'm seeing for nft video games sure yeah so i, I was like you know what let's take this and say that this trailer <laughs> is an nft video game uh-huh. And we're going to figure out a game around the trailer, and then we're going to do an initial token offering, uh-huh. and we'll make Talos the video game. Right. Maybe. Maybe. Or somebody <laughs> will give me a bunch of money to buy the mm-hmm. NFTs, and I'll make nothing. Yeah. But see, but I'm not that guy. See, I, w- I would never right. scam people. Right. However, I have no guilt and no bad karma. Mm-hmm. Making the trailer for other people because that's what I do. I make trailers for all kinds of products that are shit. Sure. Products. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I I get where you're coming from, and there there unfortunately has been a lot of rug pulls, and we even saw it uh, uh, this past week or so, where the FBI is actually getting involved and, like, taking down some of the people who are doing this, you know, so... I don't know. It's it's interesting to see. I'm I'm excited to see the future of it still. But I think I I think the NFT side of it is just one small thing, you know. It's the first proof of concept or something for a way, you know, for for what's what's to come. You know, there's so much more. But yeah, let's uh let's wrap this up. Let's get back to the regular show. I gotta go pick up my kid here in a yeah, minute. Let's go. So. Drop, 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 drop. Is this the fucking mic? This is exactly what I should be doing. <laughs> Mr. Silverman, thank you so much for being on the show. I really do appreciate it. Thanks, man. I I don't know if uh, any of my recording worked or anything, so you guys might just have to throw yeah. this episode away. But it will. No, uh, no, it's totally fine. I mean, we can use out. we can use the YouTube audio. It's totally yeah. fine. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it'll be great. Yeah. It'll be great. Don't if, worry. If people want to find you online, where can they find you? Uh, we we've been very bad at social social media. That's that's <laughs> a uh, my New Year's resolution. I still haven't made. I, I made the first post the other day. Um, but uh, Swordfish SF on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, the company website is Swordfish SF dot com, as in San Francisco. Um, a lot of our work is up there. And then I also have uh, mechajiki.com where you could uh, see our software that we're bringing to market. So we have Render Garden, which is uh, network rendering for After Effects, super simple setup. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also have uh, Boardfish, which is a storyboarding page layout tool. Cool. And then there's a bunch of free scripts and plugins and things like that uh, on there as well. We have a ton of other in-house tools that we've been meaning to give away and we're just too lazy <laughs> that's funny yeah that's cool man that's that's great yeah well we're gonna get out of here you can rate us on itunes leave a review on your podcatcher of choice help get our ratings up you can subscribe to our newsletter as well it goes out uh every month i think we got one coming up this week or next mm-hmm. and uh you can say you've been there done that got that t-shirt with the MoGraph logo T, the Paul Bab Feel the Bab 2020 shirt, all the profit from that goes to Doctors Without Borders. The thank, Rutgers, thank you, Paul Bab. Yes. Yes, thank you, Paul Bab. <laughs> the uh, MoGraph blandishment shirt. I think, uh, what else here? The, the Render Things long sleeve t-shirt and hoodie, and then the That Render is Fire shirt, which you are only allowed to wear, ironically. Unless you're shams. Unless you're shams. Yes. And uh, make sure you hit us up. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and MoGraph.com. And uh, that is about it. That wraps us up. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Until next time, I'm Dave. Thank you guys very much. And I'm Matt. And I'm Matt. (laughs) Have a good one. Later, yo. Pretty good, I guess. MoGraph.com, an online resource for motion graphic artists. Start your week with the MoGraph podcast. Industry news, interviews with your favorite artists, and terrible humor. Watch live shows and interviews from MoGraph events like NAB, SeaGraph, HalfRes, and local meetups. Our MoGraph talks feature live demos and motivation from artists all around the world. Sometimes you got to make stuff that you're not going to put on your reel, and I'm not here to judge. What if Rick and Morty show up for the countdown at midnight? That's where I peaked in life, in my career. we got to stop this thing, Rick! It's going to kill us all! Hear from the people that create your software, design your render engines, and artists that are changing the face of modern motion graphics. You get that render done. Yeah, you better frame, frame what? MoGraph tutorials and online classes will teach you about Cinema 4D, After Effects, as well as other popular software and render engines. Throw in the HDR Studio, take the render settings, pick the HDR, put a reflection, and gorgeous. Branch into new software. Learn time-saving tips, techniques, workflows, and lessons that'll keep you up to date in the world of motion design. Oh, brother, those are some of my favorite elves. I love projects that scare me. When our art director comes to us and asks for something that I had never done before, man, it gets me pumped. Join the conversation in our live sessions. 
check out our plugins, or join the hundreds of daily active users in our Slack channel for technical help, advice, contests, or just to joke around. Real nice banana. Ah, that's so funny. All right. I'm going to live forever. <laughs> Subscribe today and get the latest updates on our YouTube and other social media channels. Take all your dreams and just do it. We don't care how you get here, folks. Just get here. Subscribe to MoGraph.com.